T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. This hour is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. The Bernstein and Holmes Show. Speaking of food, I met my match last night. You're not going to believe this. I wasn't going to tell you. You went by Popeye's and didn't stop? No. So here's what I did. I was at Mariano's, and I found two discounted containers of pot roast. Oh. I was really excited to eat it, and I opened it up. I'm like, and Beth said, what? What's that face you're making? I said, ah, I'm not sure this is okay. You mean like good to eat? And she goes, what do you mean? I just said, well, it's kind of funky. A little gamey. You've been eating that thing for a week. I think the mayonnaise is starting to turn. Two more feet and I can fit it in the fridge. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, it's kind of like locker roomy. And I said, maybe after I microwave it, it'll be fine. Oh, great. Dad's dead. Have you been eating that sandwich again? Sandwich. And she kind of gives me a look like, come on. Just throw that away. Suggestion noted. She's like, look, just take the L. Mm-hmm. Just don't eat it. I threw it out and I ordered McDonald's. I think you made a good choice. I did. It was a rare, mature moment for me. Marge, I'd like to be alone with the sandwich for a moment. Are you going to eat it? Yes. Bernstein and Hope. Middays 10 a.m. till 2 on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. That's a great poll, studs. That's a great episode. Oh, sandwich! How can I stay mad at you? And then off he goes to the, in the ambulance again. That is one of my favorite episodes. When he takes it out of the garbage can, it's got mushroom like fungus growing on the outside of it. It's like gray or something. Yes. How did he come into the sandwich again? They had it at a work party, yes. and it was like it was like one of these super long sandwiches, and there was like feet and feet of it left. So he took it home. <laughs> That was like my 30th birthday party. It was a surprise party. And my 30th birthday, so Beth got these giant party subs. And we didn't, we barely made a dent in them. And so Doug Buffone is there at our apartment. And like, he's like, that was a really good sandwich. Like, Doug, take it. Take it home. Oh, if you're sure, if, if you want me to. So we gave him, it was probably a <laughs> foot and a half. He's strutting with of, the sandwich of a, of a party down the street. Sub. So it, it's like, Seriously, that way. It was probably five pounds of sandwich. Yeah. And he's, he takes it out under his arm, like like a, carrying a like a case with him. And I, I asked him the next day, I said, were you able to put that sandwich in the fridge when you got home? I was like, oh, I got it. It didn't make it home. <laughs> I was, I like, Damn right. Doug, what do you mean it, you, it didn't make it home? He's like, well, I... Uh, 
I realized I was hungry, and then <laughs> I got stopped at a, at the train tracks, and it was a really long freight train. <laughs> you ate that entire sandwich? He's like, yeah, I got. I had to vacuum out the car. <laughs> <laughs> like that's not possible. A treasure, possible. that man. And, and that man is was, a treasure. It apparently, was possible. Okay, here we are on a Wednesday, and it's foggy outside, and everyone's driving very slowly. So, it was worse getting in here uh, today than it was yesterday. And, and, and yesterday was, you know, black ice. And you called it on the potholes. Yep. You called it. Even like little ones that were starting and I could say, oh, give give that guy a couple of weeks. So that's going to be brutal. It happened like overnight. Yeah. Overnight, all the potholes. Because the ground froze and then it unfroze. Yeah, then the salt got in it and then it gets down to the gravel level and no, oh, it's bad. Uh, we've got Ray Diaz, Adam Studzinski, Brandon Fryer, Connor O'Donnell. It is a Layla Rahimi Wednesday. We've got a lot of football talk and uh, plenty of stuff to do. I know Layla's got, got pent up sports thoughts. Angst. I do have some angst, but also some happiness because the first person I mentioned for this job got the job and I was like, oh, happy about that. Makes sense. It did make sense. Like it's one to me when they made the choice and they made it official yesterday, but we've kind of known for the last three days it's going to be Shane Waldron. There's nothing in his resume that says this is a mistake, and that's good. Like I, I know we're talking about low bar here, but there, there's <laughs> is nothing. It not an obvious mistake, right? <laughs> right. Actually, I'd say that is quite the upgrade. That's going to be like the DePaul job, where the, the AD already is like, well, you know, there's some some guys who wanted the job last time around, and we're still in touch with them. Great. Awesome. Well, one of them you beat earlier this year, and he's awesome. having a terrible time at Louisville. That was one mm-hmm. of their three wins when they fired Coach Doublefield. The other guy has a top 15 team. Hmm. So. So, there's whatevs. that. Uh, Bobby can- Hurley, though. Wait. Didn't uh, didn't Shire want that job? Yes, he also has the Duke job now, so I think mm-hmm. he's probably good. So something would tell me there's a flaw in their hiring practices. Bobby Hurley, though, I like it. Uh, so here's here's the thing about Waldron that I enjoy, is that he's quarterback agnostic. The problem with Luke Getzey and Matt Nagy, well, there's many. But one of the main ones was they relied on two of the best quarterbacks to ever do it to say their system worked. And that's not the case with Waldron. And I know that a lot of people have detractors regarding what happened last season with the Seattle offense, but they also had a terrible O-line. Not that we would know anything about that here, right? They had a lot of offensive line problems and injuries. But one of the things I'm encouraged by is one of the things the Bears are already good at, and that's moving the chains, not necessarily on third down, but first and second. Josh Schrock actually wrote a really good article for NBC Sports Chicago. Schrock and all. He writes many of them. This is, I think, what he's good at. The Seahawks offense on early downs during his time there, including the 23 season, fifth in the NFL in EPA per play. Their success rate is eighth, drop back EPA sixth, the success rate fifth, the rush EPA fifth, and the rush success rate 24th. So rush, we know the Bears are strong in, right? That's not an issue. But here's where the Bears were with Getzy on early downs. As if we talked about third downs and how the third and short was a huge bugaboo for this team. We talked about that all the time. It was also a horrid problem for the defense, I might add. However, in this case, 
Getze, the EPA per play compared to Waldron's fifth, they were 28th. The success rate, 40.2%. That's 30th. The dropback EPA negative is 0.064. That's good for 30th. Dropback success rate, 30th. Rush EPA, 7th. As we said, that probably would be the contrast. But then rush success rate, and that's where it gets interesting. Only 15th. So what we're saying is the difference in the running game isn't as great as you thought it would have been. And all the other stats indicate that the Bears wouldn't have nearly been as successful schematically as as the Seahawks offense was. Your point about legendary quarterbacks having unicorns that kind of prop up the success of whatever your resume is, I think is significant, especially when you look at what's happened with Waldron where you have this renaissance of a player that a lot of people thought was just a dog in, in Geno Smith. Now, I think that Pete Carroll deserves a lot of credit for that because Geno himself has talked about how Pete Carroll changed the way that he thought about and talked about himself, but you still have to have someone who's going to help point the quarterback in the right direction. That's what excites me about Waldron is that he doesn't seem to be system dogmatic, scheme dogmatic. Like he seems to be someone who is, you can look at his resume and go, oh, okay, you were in pass-heavy offenses. Oh, okay, you were in run-heavy offenses. Oh, you have balance, like what was going on in Seattle. I just feel like it's a good place to start. I'm not here to tell you that he's going to be a success, but give me the well-rounded coach, and I, I think that he has a better chance of helping out a player. You know my rule when it comes to consuming the work of beat reporters, never miss a mailbag. Right? Yeah, because there's stuff in there. Never miss a mailbag. Especially a Big Z mailbag. Big Z, Casey, whoever it is. Sam Smith. There's stuff in Nuggets. You will find nuggets in there that maybe they didn't want to make a whole article out of, or maybe an editor said, yeah, I'll put that in the mailbag. And you find stuff. So here, Brad Biggs is answering a question about Shane Waldron. And he said that I called a veteran pro scout for his take on Waldron and the work he did in Seattle over the last three seasons. This is what the scout said. Sean McVay is the best play caller in the NFL, and Waldron's system is going to be a direct reflection of that scheme. In Seattle, they did open up the offense for Geno, and Shane worked for a head coach in Pete Carroll that would pressure him to run the ball consistently. Waldron is a good play caller. You can wonder if he worked for a head coach that didn't allow him to really open it up. Is he going to encounter this same thing with Eberflus, another defensive head coach? Maybe. The run game is the foundation of what McVay does. It creates a lot of formational variance, and there's a lot of misdirection and motion, and all that builds out of the, into the passing game. Now, this is what this is what I circled. McVay has transitioned to more of a gap scheme running the ball. Waldron is going to need athletic linemen, and the Bears have some of those. They do, they have, they have two of them. He says it's possible there could be more pre-snap movement. But we won't know that for a while. The Seahawks really struggled to run the ball. A lot of that can be attributed to a rash of injuries on the offensive line. He said there's been intense focus on the scheme and X's and O's and the play calling. It's a huge part of the job. But what can't be overlooked is how Waldron commands the room, how he presents information to his players, and how he connects. He will be the head coach of the offense. There's a lot more to that job than game planning and play calls. Additionally, I think a point that stands to be discussed here is not only – is he somebody who has been flexible to his talent? But he's somebody who can check 
the appropriate people in that room. One of my biggest complaints about the Bears was whatever they thought after practices about how they were running them and where they thought they were good, every single time they were grossly underprepared, whether it was the Packers game to start the season, the Packers game to end it, where I thought a lot of bad decisions were made on both sides of the ball, and then the games in between where they had big breaks. They, whatever they thought made them good or like they, they were like, okay, we got this. They didn't ever have it. So at least this guy with experience and coming from, I think, the most established coaching tree in the NFL, you have all of that balance and that expertise coming in. I'm pleasantly shocked by this because how many times have I sat here and told you two, Pete Carroll and Geno Smith made me rethink the importance of a quarterback and a coach and that relationship and the success they're in in the NFL. He's come back player of the year in 2022. You still need an entire team. But don't tell me you can't run things. You, you're the one who needs to change, the coach. Those guys are already committed to. The coaches are the ones who are not. In fact, every NFL team now has had to change their offensive coordinator since 2021. That's incredible. With the Bengals say, offensive say that again. coordinator. Every single NFL team has had to change its offensive coordinator since 2021. <laughs> Even Mike McDaniel, because he left Kyle Shanahan. And now Shanahan's the one calling plays in Kansas in, uh, San Francisco. It's just wild. I, too, reached out to an NFL front office person about Shane Waldron, and this is what this person told me. I don't know him, but friends of mine who worked with him in L.A. love him. Said he's the real deal, strong leader, excellent teacher, and a team guy. Said he really knows how to scheme and can shred a defense. And this person went on to talk about how big of a job it is to what he did with Geno Smith so, whoa, whoa, strong leader. I thought that softy said he is nothing about him screams that he's a leader of men. Remember that what happens behind a microphone is different from what happens inside of a football organization. Oh, okay. Sometimes, sometimes it's the same. Sometimes you do get a window into the world and the person's an idiot. But a lot of times the person that is in front of the microphone is not the same person that's in the meeting room. Give me bad liars. That means you're probably a good person who doesn't like the lying part of your job. Yeah, oh, speaking so. of which, remember when I was saying how I think the, the coach likes the quarterback? Well, I think we found out that the coach likes the quarterback. I still don't think he's he's staying. I'm I am I was very sure that the Bears were going to use that pick on Caleb Williams. I am not as sure with the events over the last two weeks. I think they've brought some excellent people in to counterbalance whatever thought they might have had. Yay! The good thing is, is that, and this is this is the point that, that Layla brought up and we're going to get into more in depth in the next segment. I think Waldron is going to work whether it's Justin Fields or Caleb Williams. And that, to me, is a big plus. That'd be great. It'd be great. The history says it won't, but it would be great if it did. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Rational Takes and Good Bears Talk. How are you feeling about these Rational Bears Takes, Dan? Are Fine. you comfortable with it or no? You want to say something crazy? Hopeful Bears Talk at that. No. No, no I know we got, we've got expert sound to play next with more opinions. Yes, we're going to do that. It'll be even more rational on the score. Tuesdays of Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score. 
You hope Shane Waldron is the guy here because of what he and at least Pete Carroll were doing with Geno Smith. You hope that that's the guy because at least he understands trying to put people in positions to succeed. Seattle fans can't wait to get rid of him. The reaction there is like, please take Shane Waldron. I, I think he's a good candidate here. There was studs going back to Layla calling it. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have any other predictions that you want to throw our yeah, way? You like, know that my predictions, like, my predictions like, are strange and nail random things, right? Like that time I said, somebody's like, oh, yeah, who do you want the Sox to trade for? And I was like, Ryan Tapera, it makes sense. And then it happened. Layla like Rahimi, all- what are my winning lottery numbers? That's what I know. Correct. If I knew that, do you think I would be sitting here right now? Oh, man. I'd still come what here if I What should I have won? for dinner tonight? I, I'm alone, best out of town. Popeyes. I'm all by myself. What do you want? Popeyes. I haven't, usually I wake up and I know exactly what I want. I just said Pop- what you should Popeyes have. Popeyes is never a bad call. Especially today. I was Spice gonna, it up. I threw it up on, on Instagram yesterday. I was going to text it to you because I felt like you would get it, but... What? I was in a rib establishment last night. A rib establishment? Just on the rib? south side. Here, look at this picture, Dan. Okay. And then you tell me what's wrong with it. Describe the picture. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, this is a, a painted portrait of Nelson Mandela, Barack Obama, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X? Yes. I don't think they could all be together at the same time. Right. Because one of them's still alive. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they didn't and they didn't all exactly in, one was in jail. Get along yeah, as far say, as like, I don't think they'd be like <laughs> hanging out necessarily. No, they, they might be hanging at out. A summit but, meeting. But well, my whole... thought was like Mandela was jailed at the same time. Dr. King was alive. No, my thing is, well, three of the guys are not with us. Okay, but, One of them is. Okay, but it's weird because Mandela has sort of a, a knowing half smile, like a Mona Lisa smile. Obama's giggling as if he's responding to a, a joke or a playful insult. And it's almost like he's serving too. Right. Like, he's, <laughs> can, I, can I refresh your coffee, Dr. King? Dr. King has a coffee mug. Who all, And he also looks like Mar- more like Martin Lawrence than he does Martin Luther and, King. And what about that dude at the Ravens game? And Malcolm X is looking directly. That guy at, looked exactly like him. He's looking directly at. Okay, this is. this is My whole thing bizarre. is. Who commissioned three, this? Three of those guys are, are might be in the same place talking about events of the world. One of those guys is still living. Yeah, this is. <laughs> he's he's still with us. But how are the ribs? Pretty good. Okay. I mean, if the ribs are good, I don't care what the painting looks like. And it's a place that Obama has gone for ribs. Ah. Does he like the painting? I don't know. I would ask him his thought. What? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've got an idea. I'm Let's going to put co- them all together. I'm going to commission a painting. I'm okay with them being together once they're together, but one of the guys is still here. Now, it did look like Dr. Martin Luther King was at the Baltimore Ravens game, the divisional round game, that, because that, there's a guy that looks oh, just that guy like him. He, he looked, that, that was spooky. Like, seeing that guy and you're like, wow, makes you wonder. I thought it was like a Photoshop you know, 
job. And then I saw it popping everywhere. Like, oh, no, this is a real man. Matrix? Well, there was a reputation for a while. Makes you wonder. Oh, those ribs I are just good. did a knowing nod. The ribs are very good. I got them dry because that's my new thing. Dry rub? I just I don't want them slathered. I'll do the slathering. A lot of in sauce. A lot of places over sauce. A lot of places do. I I don't. I'm not a big did rib you get, person. Did you get tips? How can you? No, I did a half slap. Okay. See, I would. I I just I was just basically I I made pulled pork is basically what I did. That oh. sounds then nice. Then you don't get the joy of of ripping the the meat off the bone like a like a hyena. That's no, I don't. Are we getting closer to what you want for dinner? Ribs do sound good, but there's near me. I, there aren't a lot of great. Man, it's so. You don't Google ribs so, near me. I'm so mad that. What was that place by you that closed? The one off of Western. Oh, Fat Willie's? Fat Willie's. Well, I yeah, love no, Fat Willie's. It is. It's a smokehouse now, but it's not Fat Willie's anymore. Yeah. That, that's where no, I wasn't at Limbs, but you're in the ballpark. No, I'm not here Fat for this Willys buzz Fat Willie's was kill. ruined by stupid white people. I'm not here for this buzz kill today. I love Fat Willie. Even though Fat Willie is a, was a little Asian woman. That you, That's fine. But the they took tips away because nobody knew what tips were. Aww. These have too much gristle. I don't know how to eat it. So they finally had to take them off the menu because stupid white people didn't know what a damn rib tip was. I'm not doing Coming out this. of a Marvel movie and sitting there like, I, I, how do you eat these? These are all right across from the movie These are all gristly. What are these? It's really Idiots. good place. So I don't get rib tips because you're dumbass. Put right. the whole thing in your mouth and you spit out what you can't eat. Back to Shane Waldron. Just going to let you talk it out. Studs suggested that we hear from our guy Sage Rosenfels first. And Layla, this will give you an opportunity to hear what Sage had to say about the new offensive coordinator of your Chicago Bears, Shane Waldron. Thought he was a great guy. Watched him uh, sort of install plays and do some coaching uh, on the video in front of all these top you know, high school kid quarterbacks and you know I was impressed I was like all right this guy's got a future in the National Football League he can coach and very likable guy and of course I've got to know him a little bit here and there over the years of the combine you have a beer with them talk about the different offenses and the evolution of the game but also the you know the the type of football that's maybe not evolutionary but it's just winning football and I feel like that's what he coaches uh the in his style of coaching in this whole sort of world of this sort of Shanahan Kubiak you know, whatever tree is really, I feel like he has really good, high quality winning uh, concepts, winning style uh, of football. That's the way he coaches. Shane felt like he wasn't used to talking about a Bears offensive coordinator he might like. That we got Sage on the record talking about a guy that, that he knows. It was also interesting because there's a lot of, like in the beginning of that cut, there's a lot of drops from, from Sage. He's like, yeah, I know him. And then we were at a camp with Justin Fields and an eight, a ninth grade Caleb Williams. There's a lot of stuff that was in there to, to, to pick and choose from. Oh, people are loving the quarterback collective talk, man. The idea of someone who has experience in more than one system is, I can't tell you how important it is to me. But it is. It's super important. I, 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 but my system only works if one of the best quarterbacks ever is running it. See, I think you're burying the lead. I, I, I really do. Okay. I think, I, I think your instinct, your recognition of over the last two weeks, your instinct being that these moves are, are bringing you closer to a belief that Justin Fields could return. I've had the opposite feeling. 
Okay, we can pick a segment, and it's not. And but but can, I'm not. I'm not really basing it. it it's it's purely. A, a lot of it has been. Brad Biggs is really strong on it. Biggs has been like, look, this, this is basically saying Fields is done here. It makes sense for Fields to be done here. It makes sense for them to say, okay, let's start over. I'm looking at, and I could be wrong, and I'm, and I'm totally not okay for one side or the other. But please do not misrepresent. I, 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 I would be cool with whatever works. I, I'm not either. I mean, I, I would probably prefer that Justin Fields stay. But the logic of starting over with a new quarterback that a lot of people think is the business makes sense to me too. the The way that I've looked at it as is not. Caleb versus Justin, it's Caleb versus Justin plus. Yeah. All the things that you might be able to get, considering how many desperate teams there will be to try and jump up and get Caleb because of what he is as a prospect. I just look at I look at that that piece yesterday from NBC Sports Chicago where it breaks down that Matt Eberflus inside of interviews with offensive coordinator candidates, was defending Justin Fields. I look at what they clearly took from the player interviews, because it's part of the reason that Matt Eberflus is still here, and then talking to some folks that are like, you know, the, the Waldron move could mean that they're sticking with Fields because of the job that he did with Geno Smith. I'm, I'm, I'm not moved to the point of saying that's exactly what they're going to do, but at the end of the season, I was like, they're totally moving on. And now I'm like, huh, I wonder if there might be room for this to continue the way that it was going. Would you guys like to hear what I talked about with Brad Spielberger yesterday? A hundred percent. So I was on Football Night in Chicago yesterday, and we had Brad Spielberger on, who's a friend of this show. He's from Pro Football Focus. His specialty is, as we know, cap free agency. He had a lot to say about some important stuff. That's something we're, we're going to get into at 12 o'clock. But here's what he had to say about Waldron, and he's done a deep dive into his offense. The messaging coming out about this hire was we want a guy that no matter who is going to be under center, a guy that can work with different quarterback skill sets and get the most out of them and truly cater an offense to their skill set. And I think we saw a little bit of oil and water at times with the previous OC. You look at Waldron, not just resurrecting Geno Smith's career, but he worked with the Jared Goff in, in L.A., a totally different quarterback, under center, play action. You're looking at more, um, you know, shotgun, RPO, still some play action for Geno Smith, all these various components, how they're attacking defenses, middle of the field, outside the numbers. I think that is the biggest thing. I think he has proven he's a guy that is not going to try to force, you know, his scheme or what he likes to do on the quarterback. He's going to sit back learn what they like to do and build around their skill set their talent imagine that Layla. <sighs> quarterback agnostic and i asked him i said do you think that this indicates the bears go in one direction or another regarding fields or possibly caleb williams and he was like no i don't think it's that cut and dried because of this because of this very reason let's let's give credit to ryan poles because that's a that's a stroke of maneuvering that puts him in a strong position that if he does if if he does want to keep fields and people can't interpret the Waldron move as one direction or the other it con- continues yeah, to poker. provide him leverage it's good poker. on what to do with that pick like maybe he we talk about the concept of him being blown away by like a talent or an interview what if he's blown away by a package what if 
Sure. Well, you know what, man? We really want that pick. Oh, really? Because we, we got this guy that might be able to help our quarterback, I and mean, we like our quarterback. We just maybe we don't love him, but we like him. What you got? And yeah, nothing has telegraphed anything to his counterparts. I also think it forced them to make a better hire because of it. It forced them to make a hire that wasn't contingent upon one individual on your offense, albeit the most important one. It's still the quarterback. But it forced you to have to consider somebody who knows how to adjust. And that was somebody they needed in the building. Did you find it interesting that Waldron gave credit to both Eberflus and Poles regarding his hiring? Because I, I, I didn't want to read too much into it. Because of the connection? The... But it's something that we discussed. Whose hire is it? Who's who is in charge of this hire when we knew that Eberflus is bad at hiring? I would assume it'd be both. We did, and there's sometimes some conflict in there because there is a, a school of thought that says a, a coach must hire his staff. Well, some of y'all also thought that suddenly Poles didn't hire Eberflus, but I was never on that train. You think he did or Yes, I think he did. And I think that keeping him shows you that. Well, he definitely rehired him. Like, like, even if, if that wasn't his man's before, it's your man's now. Well, I mean, then, there's and, somebody else here pulling the strings, the, as we've all discussed. The Trace Armstrong influence like, you is, can't, is there. And we have to acknowledge it, because if there were better candidates who were outside of that agent's clientele, a.k.a. one who maybe hired Don Yee recently, then it stands to be discussed for sure. I you can't let one person who doesn't actually... Can't let a person on your on who's not on your payroll run your team. There's NBA teams that were not in agreement at that. Yeah, no one question. of them is in Milwaukee. Well, oh, that's a there's a we we learned the NBA some stuff. stays undefeated in plot lines. Yeah, and apparently Adrian Griffin was terrible at his job. He was fired because he was bad at coaching, and there are it, it just started early and it never got any better. And they've they've played over it, and their record really they they weren't results based; they were process based. The Ringer did a nice job breaking it down, but we'll talk about what we're learning about how that all went down next on the score. Bernstein and Holmes, middays ten to two, on Sports Radio six seventy the score 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 and six seventy the score dot in Odyssey Station. We have news in from CNN. They are reporting. From CNN? Sports. From CNN Sports that Doc Rivers has accepted the Milwaukee Bucks head coaching position. As you may remember earlier today, Adrian Griffin relieved of duties. It turns out that CNN was right. CNN was right. The, the Bucks were bucking back against the report last night, and now, magically, CNN was correct. Doc Rivers is going to be the new coach in Milwaukee. On the what? day of the New Hampshire primary, CNN scooped Woj and Shams. A lot going on. Well, and apparently CNN. Doc Rivers was the shadow coach for a while because yeah. they had told Adrian Griffin that, hey, you know, we're bringing Doc in here to advise you, <laughs> which was Terry Stotts' role to start the season. But then And he- then he quit. And that was the canary in the coal mine to tell you something was not right. And the the ringer did a really good job with uh, a lot of inside information regarding the system that was being run defensively. And it wasn't really an endorsement of of Mike Budenholzer necessarily, 
but at least the defense that Budenholzer was running made some sense. And to go to a Toronto Raptors-style defense, which is contingent on switching screens and similarly sized, long, quick players all over the floor, wasn't the right fit for Brooke Lopez, who went from being one of the best defensive players in the league to completely exposed. I think that – I don't know if that means that you have to fire the coach, but – especially when you're three and a half games out of first place and you have a 30 and 13 record. What it does feel like from what this ringer report says is that there wasn't a lot of flexibility with Adrian Griffin. And maybe he wasn't listening to his council of elders the way that he should. I will say that it kind of feels like dirty business though with, with doc, like that feels, that feels dirty to me. Like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm here to help you out. Well, now I'm fired. Yeah, because I'm going to be the coach. See what's what, they have an unstable history with coaches, though. This is going back to Jason Kidd, and this was a bad call on Giannis's part because Giannis signed off on Adrian Griffin. There's no way he would be here if he didn't, and Giannis got this one wrong. He's got to wear this too. This is his, he's, he's got to hold an L on this one too. And usually we see it's so funny that there are patterns to these things that we know from sports going back forever. There is the assistant coach backstab. That's the the Boylan Fred Hoiberg of he waited till Fred would leave the building. If you then, build it, they will come. And then, and then Boylan would pretend to leave. They'd come back and he'd wait till Michael Reinsdorf got there. It's like, I don't know, Fred, Fred left. I'm still here. And the whole I'll s- watch tape with you. Right. I'll tell you. And that that was a classic. NBA assistant coach backstab. You think that's why Zach Levine isn't on Team USA? I don't. I mean, then then there's the well, I'm 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 working in the the farm system, and I'm and let me tell you about these guys that are in charge of your baseball team, sir. Oh, they don't Chris, know what they're doing. Come on over, Chris. Like our team. Tell me, tell me. So there, there's narrator. He was also in charge of the team. <laughs> there's the other one. the The other trope is at the executive level. It's the only special assistant to the general manager. You you know, like when the old Jeff Saturday, when the Blackhawks hired Joel Quenville, you knew that Savard was on his last legs there because, oh, what's his role? Oh, he's a senior advisor who just happens to be overqualified. Who goes, I wouldn't have done that. Yes. And, and that happens at the executive level when the, the or advisor to the owner, and next thing you know, that's your de facto general manager who becomes your actual GM. This is different. I don't know that I can remember a, a former championship-winning head coach recently out of the league who is forced upon a first-time head coach as, as an advisor by ownership I can't believe Adrian Griffin didn't resign the moment that happened. Yeah, but but if you're Adrian Griffin, you guys want to fire me? Cool. I'm going to keep this $4 million. Exactly. It had Go to, ahead. It had to be. that. That's why it had to be. It's like, okay, I know. I'm, I see what's happening I, here. I see what's happening, but if I walk out the door, I'm not going to collect my money. Right. And this way you get to, but I think that's dirty business on Doc's part. Speaking of all of this, lower on the level of importance. Hmm? For those of us who are not drop fans, that's another notch in the belt. Drop yeah. defense. But they wanted to go back to that's a he got away from drop. I feel like though That's it's the opposite of that. 
They, when they, you're exposing Lopez, you think that things are just going to go They're exposing back. Lopez because he wasn't in drop. No, but my He's point is. He's a great is, drop defender. Do you think Maybe it's going to be that simple? I don't. No, but they're going to, they did go back to it. There's, there was a revolt. The, play, the players <laughs> said, Lopez, and Lopez said, I got to play drop because he's great at it. And well, at they, this point they had in his career, doubling. it's probably the, the smarter move They had to him have blitzing him screen rolls. They had him switching and blitzing. He can't do that. And you've got two guys on your roster who can't play. Thanasis Anadokounmpo is not a professional <laughs> basketball player. He is, he is not a professional basketball player. You leave Yonder Alonso out of this. He, at least Yonder Alonso was a, you argued at a time was a major league player. Thanasis Antetokounmpo cannot play. He can barely play at the G League level. Well, he could barely hold down an overseas well, job. Well, he look, have a no trade clause? And Robin Lopez at this point in his career is The three of us have talked better. about this a lot. And I remember Tony Gill bringing up this concept of like the, the power structure inside of NBA franchises and how you want to make sure that the star player in the front office are having conversations and are somewhat aligned. This does feel like with all the things that, that are, are not in the category of, of good for Griff, it, this does seem like, yeah, you know what? I made this call and, and it was a bad call. I thought I knew what I wanted and I didn't. And sometimes, while I'm here for players to be empowered, I still think that it's a good idea that you in the front office, like, the the relationship needs to be a little bit more balanced so that, that you all aren't sitting there going, well, we have to fire our coach 45 games into a season. No, look, Is it, this all a subtweet of Dan's favorite player? Michael Jordan? LeBron. Oh. Because it kind of sounded, yeah, I know. It kind of sounded like that from where you're going, though. He's made his, he's had his share of mistakes. A lot of them. I mean, you could argue perhaps making one right now. By walking away? No. I'm saying the the undercutting of of Darvin Ham and what's happening there. Oh. Well, I thought you were talking about Jordan again. Dan's favorite. Walking Uh, away from billions. And for those of us who, who found this news, the Milwaukee Bucks have made the Nessus untouchable in trade talks, just in case. Trade you talks. <laughs> that was one of my favorite theories floating around trade yesterday you see, you on social that? media. Was, was oh, Adrian Griffin must have wanted to get, get rid of cut Tenasis. Wanted to get Drake Drake LaRoche out of there. He's the, right. He's the worst player in the NBA by a mile. He's the wor- He is the most useless player on any roster in the league by a mile. All right, we'll talk I more s- Thanasis later on, but we <laughs> no, got to talk. We will not. Yes, so we are. I still like my theory, by the way, that that uh, Adrian Griffin took that that game ball from Giannis. I think that I'm you're right. Saying. We'll ask Mike Florio about that. No, we won't. We'll ask him about the NFL and Championship Sunday next here on the Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network. From big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The score! Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now is a man who's got a massive brain. Mike Florio. He used to be a lawyer, then he decided to take his talents to the internet. NBC Sports. I'm sorry I'm late. I was talking to Robert Kraft. Pro Football Talk. I wouldn't listen to some of those people out there, especially guys like Mike Florio. Mike Florio with Bernstein, Holmes, and Rahimi on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Everything is happening in the NFL, and Mike Florio is on the Circus Sports Illinois hotline and twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 the score. Mike, there we've got the Titans hiring Brian Callahan and Matt LaFleur parting ways with defensive coordinator Joe Barry. What's top of mind for you right now? Yeah, thanks, Joe Barry, for putting together a defensive game plan that shut down the Dallas Cowboys. Now pack your stuff and leave. So uh, but look, this is what happens when a season ends. You take a look back at what went right, what went wrong, and you make your decisions accordingly. That's what every team does that ultimately fails, and only one team ultimately succeeds. I'm still watching and waiting to see what happens with the big names. Bill Belichick, Mike Vrabel, Jim Harbaugh, and even a little sprinkle of Pete Carroll because I can't, can't believe that no one has given him any consideration, at least not publicly, so I, I, I want to see how the coaching carousel plays out. I want to see if there's more seats that open up, and I want to see where these big names end up, if anywhere. Mike, there's a new offensive coordinator here in Chicago, and Shane Waldron. What have people told you about him? Well, I mean, look, he's, he's been successful at times. It's hard to go down the rabbit hole and glean what this means from the standpoint of whether or not they'll keep Justin Fields or make a play for Caleb Williams or someone else with the first overall pick in the draft. Sims and I were talking about this today on PFT Live. I mean, if the idea was stay the course and let's see how things work, you keep Luke Getzey. The mere fact that they're changing out offensive coordinators suggests they're eventually going to change out quarterbacks. But let's just see. You know, the, the Seattle offense wasn't horrible. It was just time for a change at head coach in Seattle when Waldron moves on and now lands in Chicago, and we'll just see. We're not really going to be in a position to know what kind of coordinator he's going to be until we know who the quarterback is is going to be. And then the question becomes, what plan does he have to get the most out of the quarterback skills? The best coaches don't have a system per se. They are ready to tailor whatever things they like to do to attack a defense to the strengths and weaknesses of the players that they have. So the the big thing that still is looming over the Bears, who is the quarterback going to be? That's going to be a very interesting question over the next couple of months as they potentially trade out of the first pick or trade Justin Fields. I will say this, Mike, it is a vote of confidence in certain coaching trees, and we know some fall in and out of favor and others do not, but at least with this hire, 
you could say this is another vote in favor of the Sean McVay coaching tree, in favor of those who spent certain time off of the Shanahan tree. And I found that notable as well. Well, that's right. And then the question becomes, based upon the things that Shane Waldron would like to do, what skill set fits it better? But I'll say what I just said. You're better off devising your final attack plan based upon what the guy you have does best. That's what the best coaches do. And I assume Shane Waldron knows what the Bears are going to do. I wonder how they managed to keep their plans discreet and secret from the various candidates they interviewed. Because kind of helpful to know who my quarterback is going to be if you want to know what I'm planning to do offensively. And maybe it was an either-or thing. I don't know, but I'd, I'd love to know what Shane Waldron wrote, knows right now because if we knew that, we know exactly what the Bears are going to do at the quarterback position. Perhaps that's why there hasn't been a press conference yet, even though they officially welcomed him yesterday. I found an interesting note when it came to the discussion around Brian Callahan, who's now the Titans' new head coach. Thanks to that move, Every NFL team has had a change in offensive coordinator since 2021. Wow. Not a surprise, though, because, look, that's the most important assistant coach position on a team. If you do well, you become a head coach. If you don't do well, you're out of a job and they bring in somebody else to try to do well. It's a boomer bust position. That's why I've been a firm believer that head coaches should be offensive coaches, because if you have a quarterback and an offense that's working very well, and then the offense coordinator gets rewarded with a new job as a head coach elsewhere, you got to hope the next coordinator gets it done. Best example is what's going on in Buffalo. Brian Dayball took Josh Allen to new heights. Dayball gets rewarded with the head coaching job with the Giants, and they've had a hard time getting it right with the offense since then. So that's the downside to Shane Waldron. If whoever the quarterback is, if they do well, Waldron will be gone, and you got to find another offensive coordinator. Just like the Texans now have to sweat out Bobby Slowick possibly leaving because C.J. Stroud and the offense did so well this year in Houston. Matt Eberflus says he hasn't decided yet whether or not he's going to call plays. He didn't start out calling plays, but having to abruptly fire Allen Williams early in the season forced him to take up that responsibility. How can they be conducting these interviews with defensive coordinators, nominal defensive coordinators, without already having made the decision on whether or not the head coach is going to also be the defensive play caller. It might be based on the confidence level that Matt Eberflus ultimately has and whoever they hire to be defensive coordinator. And if it's one guy, maybe you call plays. If it's another guy, maybe you step back. It ultimately comes down to whether or not the head coach is comfortable handling the micro of one play at a time, what are we doing, and the macro of the decisions that a head coach has to make on game day. Because if you're not calling plays offensively or defensively, there aren't a lot of decisions that the head coach actually makes during the game. But there are important decisions to make, such as whether or not you call a timeout when there's 30 seconds, 36 seconds left in the game and the, the opposing team has taken knees prematurely and it's fourth mm-hmm. down and you have a chance to kill the clock and maybe get the ball back and advance to the next round of the playoffs, but you didn't call the timeout. Mike, what do you think of the the new process that goes into the in-person interviews? Do you think it's been helpful or has it been hurtful to candidates that are still working through the NFC championship game and AFC championship game? Yeah, look, I think anything that slows the process down is helpful. And this year is the first year that in-person interviews of candidates under contract with other teams can't happen until the day after the divisional round. For example, the Falcons, the last time they hired a coach, 
They announced Arthur Smith on the 15th day of January. Here we are on January 24, and we have no idea who the Falcons are going to hire because they couldn't do in-person sit-down interviews with candidates under contract with other teams until Monday. There's still an issue with the coordinators of the teams that are still playing. I don't like the fact, for example, that Ben Johnson, the Lions offensive coordinator, had four interviews between Friday and Saturday of last week just before a playoff game. That's a major distraction. Any minute that you spend preparing for an interview, lining up your coaching staff, submitting to the interview, and he had four of them, researching the teams you're going to be talking to, putting yourself in the best position to do good interviews, four of them in two days, that's less time you're going to have to get your team ready for the most important game of the season. In the playoffs, the next game is always the most important game of the season. And Ben Johnson was in a tough position last week because he got asked about it. What's he going to say? Yeah, it dilutes my preparation. He said, my family suffers from this, not my preparation. And I say baloney to that. You're taking away any waking moment that is spent doing anything other than preparing for that game is taking away from the preparation for that game. I'd like to see everything put on hold until after the Super Bowl as it relates to interviews of coaching candidates I don't think they're ever going to do it, but at least we're moving in that direction by slowing the process down a little bit. I don't like to admit how much time I spend on the Apple News app, but it did it did cause me to find a gem of yours from yesterday. And the headline was, why did Todd Bowles give up? And it was the decision-making process. You went into it in depth when it came to what happened against the Lions. What went into your thought process to ask this question the way you did and why? Well... You know, things happen pretty quickly in real time, especially when one playoff game is ending and another one is starting and we pivot to Chiefs Bills. And most people didn't notice this oddity that occurred at the end of the Lions-Buccaneers game, where after an interception, I mean, the Buccaneers are down by eight. There's under two minutes to play. They're trying to drive down the field, score a touchdown, get a two-point conversion and force overtime. The Lions started taking their knees too early and letting too much, not enough time run off the clock. And I think once the Buccaneers didn't call their timeout after first down, the Lions just kind of went on autopilot. At one point, you can see the referee, Bill Vinovich, kind of look at the play clock like, what the hell's going on here? But then when they got to third down. Third and 12. They took the knee. 36 seconds were left. The Buccaneers still had a timeout. If Todd Bowles calls that timeout, what are you going to do? You're going to try a 49-yard field goal that could get blocked? That could be wide right, like a 40-some-yard field goal we saw in the Bills-Chiefs game? Are you going to punt and hope to pin the offense inside the the 20? Is it going to go in the end zone and they get it on their own 20 with maybe 30 seconds left in the game and a chance to drive down the field and force overtime? It's amazing that Todd Bowles did not call that timeout. Now, he just said, well, I just assumed they'd make the field goal. Don't assume they're going to make a 49-yard field goal. It's not a chip shot. It's not automatic. They still have to do snap, spot, and hold. If I was a Buccaneers fan, I would be livid. And if I owned the Buccaneers, and every Buccaneers fan in the world should be glad that I don't for a variety of reasons, I'd fire Todd Bowles for this. I'd have no coming back from it. And think about this alternate reality. If Bowles had called the timeout, and if the Buccaneers had gotten the ball back, and if they had driven down the field and scored the touchdown and the two-point conversion, and we go to overtime, and if they had won that game, is there any coming back from this for Dan Campbell? who misplayed the clock. And anybody that plays Madden knows how to work the clock late in the game. This whole thing was fascinating to me. And I think we all pivoted so quickly to cheap bills. We didn't really appreciate what we saw and the blown opportunity. You never give up in a game like this. This is the same team whose head coach 
used to have his defensive lineman dive into the knees of the offensive lineman when Greg Schiano was in Tampa to try to disrupt victory formation in a slim chance to get the ball back and win a game that otherwise was lost. So I can't believe it happened. I couldn't believe it would have happened in any game, regular season or postseason, but especially in a game for the birth in the NFC Championship. Unbelievable that it happened. And the more time goes by, the more upset I get about it. And and thank God I'm not a Buccaneers fan because I would divorce the Buccaneers based on something like this. And it's crazy, too, because you think about what happened the possession, two possessions before, where they were crazy aggressive with making sure that they went for two and an opportunity to try and, and put themselves in a position to win the game. For them to not call that timeout goes right against the, the the level of aggression that was being used earlier in the game when you're trying to win it. What's amazing to me, too, is nobody on that entire sideline or in the coaching booth upstairs seemed to notice what was happening. When Chris Sims and I were talking about this today, I said, what if Peyton Manning had something like this happen during his career? His head coaches were Jim Moore, the elder, Tony Dungy, Jim Caldwell, John Fox, and Gary Kubiak. I guarantee you, if in any of those games, especially a playoff game, but any game, this opportunity to get the ball back and potentially win the game had been squandered because the coach was ready to wave the white flag, Peyton Manning would have run out there and called timeout himself. So I'm not saying Baker Mayfield should have. I'm just saying the idea that nobody on the Buccaneers sidelines seemed to think there was anything amiss here. If they did, they kept it to themselves. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like the way the Lions mismanaged the clock, and I've never seen anything like the way Buccaneers ignored what had fallen into that manna from heaven in the form of one last chance to force overtime in this game, a non-zero chance to force overtime and eventually win the game, and they just said, nah, it's over. You it mentioned is, It's uh, baffling. Yeah, when you when you put it that way, when you talk about a fireable, a fireable offense, I, were you is that, is that just sort of a, a a shocky take, or do you really mean that? I mean, I'd have a hard time trusting that coach with my team after that moment. It's just one of those things that seems disqualifying. How can you do this, and how can I let you continue to have the keys to this car based upon that moment with those stakes? And that opportunity that we had to win that game. And, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. The band is on the field. You don't know what's going to happen. They had a situation earlier in the year on a Thursday night in Buffalo where they had the ball at their own 20 with less time. And Baker Mayfield, they got near the 50. He threw a beautiful Hail Mary pass that there was interference in the end zone that wasn't called. And Chris Godwin didn't bother to, you know, look up in the air to see if the ball was coming down and could have caught it if he was. You never know what's going to happen. So I just, I would be very upset if I was the owner of the team and I'd want to sit down with Todd Bowles and I'd want to have a heart to heart about what in the hell happened there. And he would need to tell me a pretty damn good story as to why he didn't call that timeout before I'd be comfortable giving him the whistle moving forward. Mike, I've only been divorced in the state of Texas, but is it possible that there's a reason Tyreek Hill didn't seem to know that he was getting one? And look, this I struggle with this. For 99.9% of the players out there, it's completely irrelevant what they're going through in their personal life. But when you make it part of your public narrative, when Tom Brady and his ex-wife, when that's part of his story, how can you ignore it? When Tyreek Hill and his newlywed wife are featured on Hard Knocks, and he says after he suffers an ankle injury on a Monday night game, I went back and played because I texted my wife at halftime and she said, get your ass back in there. There's a certain point where it becomes fair game. So the story comes out yesterday he disputes it, and it's like, dude, 
take it up with the circuit clerk of Broward County. All you got to do, and it's very easy to find. You, you, you Google it, you type in his name, and there it is. He filed a petition for dissolution of marriage on Monday. It came out on Tuesday, and he denied that he ever did it. So I don't know what's going on here. And maybe it's as simple as the papers haven't been served yet, and he didn't want her to know the papers were coming. That, that can be an issue from time to time. But that's a weird one. But but we we take it case by case whether we're even going to cover because, you know, the knee jerk reaction for a lot of people is it's none of our business. The athletes and celebrities make it our business. You can't say, hey, everybody, look at me and then selectively say, what the hell are you looking at? And I think Tyree Kill, given the way his marriage became public, I think it became fair game. But I struggled with it. I still will struggle with it going forward. But it's just a weird one. I don't know how Tyree Kill thinks that he's going to file that paperwork and people aren't going to find out. Mike, as always, we appreciate your time, sir. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks. Have a great week. That's Mike Florio. I enjoyed his mention of Jim Mora, the elder. That, and and I I had no idea that he was still alive, and here he is. He's doing commercials. I know. There he, I'm like, wait, wait, Jim. Oh, my God, he's alive. He and Kevin Hart Playoffs? are out here doing commercials Playoffs? together. And there he is. He's 88. He is. Out the gate. He's 88. Impressive. Yep, and and still getting paid based off of that one tirade. Why not? Good for him. Get that money. Right. Uncle Herm's still making money, too. How old is Herm Edwards? He's in his 60s, right? I think he's maybe no, 67, he's got 70. He was. 70? Um, he's got to be 69. Nice. Uh, it's Leonard Hamilton that's the shapeshifter. Correct, because he's, he's like 75 and he looks like he's 40. He looks like he's like 45 or something. It doesn't make sense. Jeans. Mm-hmm. Got some good jeans. Jeans. Uh, we Adam Hogue had to beg off due to illness, so he is not going to join us <sighs> He next. can't talk! The man cannot talk. I... I feel his pain. So, we, we have... wish a, Adam well. We have new Baseball Hall of Famers. And yeah. some who just missed the cutoff. I am irrationally mad about one snub. Bernstein and Holmes, your midday destination for Chicago sports talk. On Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. In Odyssey Station. There is a museum in upstate New York, and that museum votes baseball players into their special club, and three more were voted in. And now kind of everybody pretty much gets in, and I think we'll all get in. I think all the... Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, everybody else in time, will find their way in. Harold Baines is in the Hall of Fame. If Harold Baines is in the Hall of Fame... But that's not the same thing, Dan. That balloting is not the same. That's what I'm saying, though. There's, all, there's so many ways to get in now. This is the primary way to get in, How is to get you. 75% of the votes. Well, that changed everything. That was just, I remember when we interviewed Jay Jaffe about it, and he was just like, yeah, well, yeah, I guess that happened. So Joe Maurer, Todd Helton, Adrian Beltre. I'll go in. I don't Bleeping know. Maurer. What? Just because he was good against the White well Sox? Well played, Maurer. Every time. It's just a double off the left field wall. I know. Just 
Just really good players. Nothing. Just flick it out there. Just and kills your dreams. Adrian Beltre is one of the greatest third basemen of all time. Big boy table. Like, what a great, 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 great player. And, like, look, we had the, 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 the great Elvis Andrews here and here, thanks to Layla. And those two guys have, like, one of the funniest relationships in baseball. I would really tell people that MLB's Twitter account and their Instagram account also retold the King Felix and Adrian Beltre relationship through video, which was great. And that that meeting was towards the end of Felix's career after Beltre gets his 3,000th hit, and then they hug before first pitch. And the umpire was like, wait, what's happening? He's like, oh, they're hugging. Like, he's afraid they were going to fight, but they were just going to hug because that's what they did the whole time. Like, that, what a, that to me is... There has to be more Adrian Beltres, more King Felixes. You love to see th- those guys not allowing their team affiliation to to mess with their friendship. They're going to compete. They want to beat the other guy, but they love the other guy, and they're not afraid to show it. I think that is outstanding. Been a wonderful year for Adrian Beltre when uh, you see him with the World Series trophy with the Rangers and him saying that that was helpful for him, that closure. And then the video of him getting the call where he's he's not trying to pick up the phone and Scott Boris is in the background. That that gave me a good laugh. But uh, I, I think Beltre is inarguable, right? Joe Maurer is inarguable. To me, there was a time where Todd Helton was just absolutely crushing everything in sight. Bleeping Maurer. Inarguable, right? Did you it's, see the video last week of the... They they the video been making the rounds that they brought out the one guy who struck out Maurer in, oh, in high, high school. school. That was so awesome. That's hilarious. <laughs> yes, how cool for him. <laughs> Here's the one guy who struck you out in high school. Hi. That I, I and that's why I always said to Jason in high school, like when he was going up against one of these guys, it's like you never know. You never know what's going to happen later. So if you want to say that, yeah, that guy or this guy or that guy or the guy that hit the the famous grand slam off of, that's why we're we're rooting for the, all these guys to succeed. So you can look up at the TV and say that guy hit a 500 foot grand slam. Off if of I it. have to hear about how Paul Aspen, producer at BetQL, hit a double off of Matt Ryan in high school one more time, I'm here for that. Why not? And, and you have Jay Zawoski sacking Donovan McNabb That's twice. Awesome. My, my... Jay Zawoski sacked Donovan McNabb? Yeah, well, he technically, yes. <laughs> and actually, my, my college freshman roommate got a single off of Kent Merker. Got a, got a That's bunt, real cool. Got a bunt single off of Kent Merker. Did you hear my brother-in-law struck out Jason Worth in like junior high? This is a this is a Friday fun. Somebody bit, needed right? to. This is live. This we, is brushes with greatness. Well, we've done live ringers, but yes, but actually doing it against someone. I mean, I got dunked on by Rodney Rogers. That's pretty good. Everybody's yeah, taller no, than me. It's not fun. Including Jose Altuve. What is- Dan's distracted by moving things. What is Shane doing? Looks like wings. Uh, okay, so I just want to get I this off my chest. I scored two points against Rashad Griffith. And Did you? Yeah, grammar school. I think that's nice. awesome. That's all I had, though. I think he had 25 in it's an right. eighth grade game. It's all right. You scored? This is definitely a Friday fun segment. Well, I mean, I'm, I was this size, and he was like seven feet, so. So know. there's a mismatch is what you're saying. A complete mismatch. Interesting. Bad.
So, so what snub has, has you all embittered? Billy Wagner. What are you doing, Wagner? Not, Not him. No. But there was a time. Oh, my bad. For 16 years where you were saying that about Billy Wagner. And it kind of echoes what I was saying about Todd Helton. Wagner dominated an era. He was one of a few. And I understand that his playoff numbers aren't that great and that the Hall of Fame doesn't take closers seriously or the Hall of Fame voting. But the gatekeeping of how that voting process works and how you said to me in the pre-show meeting, Dan, you're like, well, he's getting in next year. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous, though. Just put him in now if you think he's getting in. I feel that way. Either you are you're you should be in or not. But and you, I, you I, I also just... think that it's a gateway drug for more people who don't necessarily have a career. Here's the argument I'll make in favor of Wagner. Number one, it's 16 seasons. Number two, his career numbers, he struck out 11.9 batters per nine. That's outrageous for a closer. He retired after one of the best years of his career at 38 years old. He was an all-star. He was an all-star in 2010 for the Braves, and he had 37 saves his last season. He had more in the tank. And when you think of somebody who was absolutely electric at a time, and yes, I understand it was concurrent with two other of the best closers in the game, that doesn't mean what he did wasn't worthy. This gatekeeping aspect of this is what drives me insane. I agree with you on Wagner in the objective. Like, when you were talking about this in, in the meeting, I was like, you know what? I, I think I agree. 73.8%. In the subjective, not the objective. In the objective, though, it's hard to make an argument for him because I'm looking right now just on baseball reference, and this is part of the problem, is you have to marry both. And but the, the Jaws numbers are not it, Hall of Fame. It's not Hall of Fame. And then when you look at the similarity scores, you're right. Like, you start looking at other people like – Kimbrell, Jansen, Chapman will probably go, right? Dan mentioned K-Rod, though, and to me, it's not the same. It's close. I mean, but that's, the, ne- that's the next guy on but his similarity score. When you consider what Wagner did for how long at a level that was it, it, that high. It's really close. Like, their war yeah. is is the same. Yeah. They, I'm they only the same guessing, value. But I'm only guessing that the playoff numbers is, is what's an issue here. And when you consider the service time as well, and and frankly, his last season before he retired, I the biggest difference. So K Rod was lights out in the playoffs. Wagner was terrible in the playoffs. I'm saying that's what's preventing Wagner. Maybe, but K. I mean, K Rod has. I I think maybe have a better argument. Yeah, with 26 playoff games and a 2.95 ERA rather than an ERA of 10. There's going to be a lot of guys like this, but to me. He was one of the most dominant there was at that time. I, I'm I'm with you in, in this objective. Like just thinking about Billy. Here comes Billy Wagner. He's such a tough matchup. People are terrified of him when he gets on the mound. I I think we might be thinking more of him than what the numbers say he was. It was also, but like- maybe that should go into like especially if you're someone who covered. During that time, if you're a voter who covered during that time, what does that is there value but that's, in that? That's why I'm mad, though, is that the voter during that time isn't voting. And one of those who isn't voting is the difference in that 73.8 percent and the 75. And that's what drives me bonkers. Like you didn't stop writing stories whenever you were covering these players. You didn't decide you weren't going to write anymore. 
What's the difference now? Well, the the issue that I have is this sort of quiet quit on Carlos Beltran. And I wonder if something, you know, I wonder if That's the his, cheating scam. Yes, if that had something to do with and, it. And, and there's extra stuff for me with Beltran that I think should outweigh the cheating scandal. If you talk to a lot of folks around the game about the impact that he had with Spanish-speaking players and what his relationship was with Spanish-speaking players and them, whether, I mean, assimilates the the wrong word to use, but how important he was in making sure that there were translators in clubhouses. That, to me, is something that, along with your career, if you had impact on the game like that, that's something that should be considered, as far as I'm concerned. I absolutely agree with you, and I think that that should be taken into account when people are on the border about Mark Burley. I think that that's one where Burley has done so much for clubhouse cultures and his public his public discussion of how he wanted to speak out against hazing against players and and what damage he saw that do to people. I feel like that is also part of the discussion. I mean, he before this, there wasn't like a mandate in baseball before Carlos Beltran brought it up back in like 2014, 2015. And now every clubhouse has someone to interpret what their their foreign language speaking people are saying in clubhouses. That that's that's a real gift to the game. And then you add it to what the career is. To me, that that's. Can you smell all that? Are you smelling any of that? Whatever's yeah. happening in the yeah, hallway. I don't know. There's, what about there, you? There some... The nose always knows. There is some very heavily no, my seasoned news something to do oh. with Once wings. I had COVID, all I know is when Shane, I got the Delta right. variant, that's right. it's you all been bad. Can't smell anything, anything. Shane is wiping sweat off his brow. But you know what I, I do? Typically, if I have some sort of outside thing, I stay focused on the two people talking. So I've just been listening to y'all. I can't because what's outside doesn't bother me right now. It doesn't bother like, me. I but I am surprised at how potent the like smell wings. is. Is it ghost wings? Pepper? Yeah. Wings. This is this is such a on fire type stuff going on out there this this looks like major ass burning (laughs) i was trying to say it without saying that i was gonna wait for you to continue that thought (laughs) what speaking of that that was my uh my second runner-up or my first runner-up i should say for high noon high noon is coming up i have a really cool story about artists trying to build a tech bulwark against the encroachment of ai I saw something last night. It sparked something in my brain. I think people of a certain age will appreciate it, and now I want to see if I actually have the creative chops to do it. I know our Target demo and friends. I'm just here to tell you, the louder the fit you throw, the more guilty you seem to become. Bernstein and Holmes, your midday destination for Chicago sports talk on 670 The Score. I'll be back this way on Monday. We'll settle this then. Right there, out in the street, in front of the Palace Saloon. Yeah, right. When? High noon? Here we are at high noon on your Wednesday. That means it is now downhill into your weekend because this is the middle of your work week. And we started out by talking more in depth about Shane Waldron, the Bears' offensive coordinator. We heard from Brad Spielberger of PFF, some more from Sage Rosenfels. 
And we discussed the what it would mean for the quarterback choice and more. We talked about the fact that Doc Rivers might have been a little unethical. Dirty Mackin for sure. Taking the role that he did and advising Adrian Griffin while he was still head coach of the Bucks. Well, Adrian Griffin's not head coach of the Bucks, and Doc Rivers is. It appears that Griffin probably could have resigned when he knew he was being pushed out, but I presume that he got his money. Mike Florio. It's had, his money and he wants it now. <laughs> Mike Florio uh, talked to NFL and then we debated the new baseball Hall of Famers and not quite Hall of Famers. So last night I'm folding clothes. I like doing laundry because it calms me, which actually plays right into the movie that I'm going to talk about. Demolition Man was on sci-fi last night. What's with this cocktail guy anyway? He says I saved his life, which I'm not even sure I did, and my reward is dinner and dancing at Taco Bell. I mean, hey, I like Mexican food, but come on. Your tone is quasi-facetious, but you do not realize that Taco Bell was the only restaurant to survive the franchise wars. So? So? Now all restaurants are Taco Bell. All restaurants are Taco Bell. Sylvester Stallone. Sandra Bullock, Wesley Snipes, yeah, Dennis Leary in that movie. Here's where my mind went, Dan, and you know that I I probably think too much about things like this. Why isn't there a Demolition Man prequel? It is ripe, not sequel, prequel. I've never seen it. I don't even. You've know never it. seen Demolition Man? I no. haven't either. Studs has been wait, talking. Wait, wait, it I also have not. Oh, what's going on? I don't here? know anything about. How's it possible only two people on this show have seen Demolition Man? This is like a group thing. We got to do. We got to watch it. I mean, the character Simon Phoenix, and what you could do with like a a quasi apocalyptic 1990s Los Angeles, and like that that Wesley Snipes character. You could do all sorts of cool stuff. We could learn why they use the three seashells. There's all sorts of stuff that we could do. So it's just on my mind last night. My creative juices are flowing. Someone get this to Sly Stallone and say, hey, we got an idea for a prequel, and we want you to produce it and probably direct it. I have a question. Sure. At what point do we acknowledge that we're in a post-apocalyptic society right now? That's the point. Like, that's my whole... uh, The bit is, obviously, like all of this stuff, while it physically hasn't come to pass, this is what a lot of movies are doing. Like, they're trying to make the point, and they're talking in the near future. No, no, no. Demolition Man had this back in 96. And that movie takes place in 2032. Correct. It's not that far off. Oh, no. When we start getting into the how Marty McFly, if he traveled back in time, if Back to the Future was set in this year, it would be something super recent. And I'm like, yeah, no. Yeah, if, if he was going like back from here, he'd go back to 1990. <laughs> like, No, I'm not. Mm-mm. You ever seen the, the Family Guy take on that? It's one of my favorite ones that they did. Doc goes back, and he's like, Marty, we, we got to go back to the future. He's like, oh, why? Your daughter's marrying a black man. Oh God! And, and Marty's like, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. And he's like, Oh, you, oh, oh, you don't. Oh, <laughs> and he's like, I am uncomfortable around you now. <laughs> did I ever tell you guys I did get fired via a fax machine once? 
What? Huh? Yeah, it's a story for another day. That's how I met my wife. I got fired via an email one day. That was crappy. Fired stories also needs to be part of the Friday fun. We got a lot of good texts uh, with brushes or like, it's not brushes with greatness. What would you call that? That's like dominating greatness. Yeah, we'd need a term for it. I can't believe we have never done something specific. It's come up before, but we've never done a... I beat a, I beat we'll a pro. workshop it. I beat a pro. I beat a pro. That's the way to put it. Um, kids, life comes at you fast. The headline reads as such. Chicago area man who sued women for badmouthing him on dating site convicted days later of tax fraud involving mob-connected sweepstakes kiosks. That's, that headline's doing a lot. Layla, when I saw this guy, I I prejudged him. I was right. He defiantly and uh, let's just face it, acting very much like a man who's cheated, decided that he was going to sue a site where the women were talking about him and his dating style, which was suspect. Because, you know, when we say ask women, we mean ask women. So he decided that he was going to sue Facebook and all these individuals who had talked about him on his on this website. And uh, a lawyer decided to go with it. And we we uh, posted the story and aired it on NBC5, him talking, him talking about how he was going to uh, sue all these websites and Facebook. And one of the descriptions was clingy and he was a ghoster and a show off with money, amongst other discussions. And then the day after we aired that story, the day after, which means he was already not just charged, but on trial in a federal courthouse, mind you, where they have, what, a 93% conviction rate? The next day that we aired that story, he was convicted in the same federal courthouse where his lawsuit is pending on tax rod counts alleging that he had vastly underreported the income he had made distributing sweepstakes gaming machines for a company with ties to Chicago mob figures. Mm-hmm. Like you say, comes at you fast. Bro. <laughs> Bro is let, the perfect word for that guy. Let this be a lesson to you all, because I know who our target demo is. The bigger the fit you throw and the louder you throw it, is the more guilty you typically are. And this guy's lawyers, I just want to point out, one of my favorite parts about this is this guy's lawyer's defense was, hey, our client, he's a dummy. He's a moron. <laughs> and they right. submitted, this is the Chicago Tribune, they yeah, submitted like their grades, clients. right? Yes, they're... Uh, they submitted their clients rather lackluster high school and community college grades as evidence. In the closing arguments, his lawyer told the jury the case was not about greed. Quote, it's about stupidity. Oh, he's just a dummy. You go oh. with what you got. Oh, I, You got to defend any way you can. I'm not. I'm still not dating a dumb guy either. No. Artists are concerned that their work is being scraped or used by AI so AI can learn how to reproduce it. Whether writers, digital artists, everybody's very concerned. And there are, there are copyright issues now where I think the New York Times is suing and others are saying, look, you're using our articles and our work and our writer's work and our editor's work to teach AI. So AI is learning from everyone else, and that shouldn't be legal. 
And writers and artists have had no recourse until now, thanks to the University of Chicago and Professor Ben Zhao. There's a new free software tool called Nightshade. Nightshade is designed to poison AI seeking to train on their works. It is now available for artists to download and use on any artworks they see fit. It makes use of the open source machine learning framework to identify what's in a given image, then applies a tag that subtly alters the image at the pixel level so other AI programs see something totally different than what is actually there. It is an offensive tool, not a defensive tool. An AI model trained on images shaded with nightshade would erroneously categorize objects going forward for all users of that model, even in images that had not been nightshaded. It's fascinating what this does. For example, human eyes might see a shaded image of a cow in a green field, largely unchanged. But the AI would see a large leather purse lying in the grass. Therefore, an AI model trained on images of a cow shaded to look like a purse, would start to generate purses instead of cows, even when the user asked for the model to make a picture of a cow. So this is really cool. I mean, I would love for them to figure out a way to do that with broadcasting because we're just putting it all out there for everybody, you know. Nightshade is also a villain. Not sure that they would copy our show. Marvel in the, in the Yes, in Luke Cage. And it's a similar concept of like, she uses nightshade to poison people. Well, this is now the nightshade program, thanks to the University of Chicago. That this is it should be, I believe, the start of many who will teach your AI wrong. It will it'll be like the old Steve Martin joke. As a parent, you know what you should do: teach kids wrong. So that way, they get to their first day of school, they raise their hand and they say, "May I mumbo dog face to the banana patch?" Back in the 1970s, that was funny. Guess you had to be there. <laughs> I mean, I was just listening, but then I was like, maybe he's speaking in code. No, and I was it like, was, code is useful. It was, it was the Steve Martin bit about teach kids wrong to entertain yourself. But that's if they can do this, if they can, if they can insidiously get a this this code in there. I can't wait to see the AI mistakes. It also sounds like a personality disorder, but a funny bit. <laughs> Again. The 70s, everybody, <laughs> everybody's out of their skull on cocaine. And if you go back and listen to some of these albums, you have no idea why certain things were considered funny. Hi, yes. Another question? Yes. Would that be better or worse than uh, the, the act you described if you wanted to eat some spicy wings? I'm not the spicy. When I saw Shane's reaction, I that he was. Which one was spicy? Whatever took Shane out. Had it, must him sweating. Been a, it must have been a separate sauce because I wasn't. Yeah, I didn't do any. You're of just sauce. tough. It's, yeah, you know. yeah. You're no, Chicago tough. No, up here ketchup is like a spice. Strange. Chicago tough. Let's talk about the, the end. Let, let, let's talk about the Bears and my favorite recent topic: the center position. This hour is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. I think like the reality is 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 that center position's huge, right? And Obviously, the Bears need to shore that up. I also think the center position, it just can take so much off your quarterback. Of There's a lot of stuff when you're playing on the road. 
checks that can happen through the center versus having to go back to the quarterback. Well, the quarterback always can come up there and trumpet, right? Like, hey, no, we're not going to remike it. The center can really help. Um, and I don't think the Bears have that right now. No, no, they don't, Tim Jenkins. They do not. By the way, thanks to Jake Melnick's for the the selection of wings. I I, I did not do that hot hot because that looks like it would it would absolutely destroy me. If I tried it. If Shane's, it really, because is it a separate sauce? It wasn't already on the wings. Correct. correct? They had the one on the far right. Oh, yeah. Well, now I regret not trying. There's, well, go try it. There's the no. There's the regular. There's that bourbon barbecue that they have. I tried the grilled. Wings with olive oil and cayenne and Ooh. lemon, and uh, th- those were my favorite. Delicious. So thank you for that. I'm a big fan of that place. Really great grilled cheese there. What makes it great? Well, the things that they put in it. Ah. So, you know. Grill and cheese. Well, not just that, but if you wanted to go a little harder and you wanted to make some choices. Well, my, my go-to would be sliced tomato and bacon. It's a good choice. An excellent choice. Tom Brady would hate it, but he wouldn't eat the bread anyway. So but he's definitely not eating the tomatoes. Maybe now that he's not playing anymore. I don't know. I think no, TB12 is a lifestyle. Oh, yeah. No, he's one of these weirdos. He thinks he's going to live to like 150 or whatever. He might. He, you don't know. You want, I'll take the under. Who's going to be here to collect? I don't think on, either on one of you are going to outlive him. Yeah. <laughs> no. Who's going to be here to collect? Actually, maybe. In 100 years. I forget how old he is. He's my age. We're the same age. Yeah, okay. Then my money's on you guys. No. Yeah. <laughs> Tom <laughs> Brady's going to make some enemies no. somewhere. I'm, I'm doing the best that I can, no, but no, no. But no. Put, put your money on the TB12 method. He's I, got it right. No, I'm not going to do that. What, do no bananas, no tomatoes? It. Is that right? I what? like... I like uh, nightshade vegetables and tomatoes. So you're back to nightshade again. Car- and carbs. There we go. That's two segments in a row mentioning nightshade. You mentioned that Brad Spielberger was on football night in Chicago with you. And we haven't put a lot of names to the center position yet. I just Because of contractual obligations. Yeah, they've they've got to get better. They have to get significantly better. So I'm, I'm here for any discussion in, in this regard. So here's what Brad Spielberger said. Seahawks center this year, Evan Brown, uh, a bit of a journeyman so far in his NFL career, has played some guard, played some center, um, was good this year. I thought he was very competent in this offense. You saw he kind of battled a rookie and, and, and retained the job at center for the team uh, this year. But also, even beyond the Seattle days, I mentioned the Rams connection. Rams center Coleman Shelton could be in for a free agent this offseason as well. He'd have to opt out of his contract. I won't get too into the weeds, but could be a free agent. And he worked with Shane Waldron, also a guy that can play center and can play guard. But most importantly, both guys that have shown a proficiency in this particular system. They are good movers to the second level. They're good in this wide zone rushing attack. I think both of those guys immediately kind of jump to the top of your list as guys that are comfortable, that know Shane Waldron, and also the experience, too, of whether it's fields or rookie quarterback, Yes, it's a similar offense, but it's still a new offense. And if you bring in a center that knows the offense really, really well, it just makes the whole operation easier for everybody. Good center names, both Coleman Shelton, not Shelton Coleman, but Coleman Shelton and Evan Brown. How old is he? Evan Brown is 27. He's 6'3", 320. And Coleman Shelton is 28. He is 6'4", 299. So he's young Shelton? 
Oh. Yeah! Woo! The show, yeah! the show is over. That's yeah. how this works. The whole show's over? Yep, Perkins we can go Spiegel, home? they need to do a six-hour show now. But either way, these guys are just, I don't know who they are, and I know that neither one is particularly decorated for his respective work. So those are just guys. Yep, don't do that, Dan. You've been playing around with that phrase too much. What? Just because someone isn't necessarily decorated to the level of, of your... It, it reaching you doesn't then, mean, no, it doesn't mean that like the good, person but... isn't going to be good. Like, d- don't just, yeah, but I thought just that call about Lucas Patrick. just a guy. But you know, I thought that about Lucas Patrick. He's bad. We're like, oh, this guy might be pretty good. He's not good. Usually, if you don't know who they are, they're probably bad. Unless it's somebody you draft. And maybe there's another Tyler Linderbaum out there. Maybe there's one of those fast movers who can also be stout at the point of attack and anchor. What we have right now is not a replacement level center. Correct. So, but I want better than that. Yes, but my point is even slightly better would get you there. Correct. And Spielberger is saying there's a couple of centers who know how to run that offense that would help. I'm I'm of the standpoint at this point that anybody who knows how to snap to someone in a shotgun formation would help. That would be a good first step. Which is, frankly, most college centers because most formations in college are run out of shotgun these days. But there's a struggle. The there's one a, level. a struggle there, too. You know, they're, they're, it's a really hard position to play. And when you're in shotgun 85, 90% of the time, it it can be even worse. So... I'm I'm with you. I think that the upgrades at center are not that hard because you've had below average center play for the last couple of seasons. I've seen way too many dudes fall down in front of the quarterback this year. Just way too Being many. Being deposited into the lap of the quarterback. It's, but but uh, but it's I think brutal. that your point about just get the quarterback the ball that's good. Like that's just, a great start. Let's start there. That's can, a great way to get your you, offense started. Can you consistently get the quarterback the ball where he wants the ball? AI scrubbing tools pick up on this piece of information. Because that's center what I would needs like. to get quarterback ball. Needs to get quarterback ball where a quarterback doesn't have to move his eyes Correct. up, down, or sideways. Get him where he wants the ball. Lawrence, I think. Uh, I think your point, too, about just how crucial the center position was in the Michigan and Alabama game. It may have changed college football. Like, honestly, Nick Saban, one of the things that he talked about and why he retired is that he had such an affinity for the the center, he didn't replace him. And that mistake was like the the final straw in him being like, it's time for me to retire. And that changes college football. Uh, Get a center who knows what they're doing. Yeah, it's it's baffling to me that that hasn't been, I guess they don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but that the collective that we are have not discussed it more. When you consider all of the failures of the previous offense, that was... In large part, one of them. Well, the the QB collective is already taken. We could be the center collective. That's Olin. Yeah, Olin. Well, I mean, Olin is would, a walking center collective. Olin would have to join us. Like you know, he he if well, he joins his validation, us, we can't exist. Right, really. we can't yeah. be the center collective if he's not part of it. We're just the appreciators. Do do we cover basketball and hockey centers too? Well, we can. Or, or just football centers. Well, I mean, I, mean I, I do appreciate 
you know, the basketball center specifically. But that, that even though they don't really exist anymore. Right. Like it's, I mean, they do. They're just, they you know, superheroes well, now. Well, they're rim runners and, and screeners and lob catchers. Three-point shooters, 70-point scorers, well, magic makers, something. If you think Embiid's a center, I don't. You just think he's a big. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I'm going. And in hockey, centers, first man into the zone and first man to come back to the defensive zone. 6-3-0, you are correct. We have done this before with a new OC, bringing in his hand-picked center from previous job. But the difference is this OC isn't new to being an OC. So I like that part of it. Well, why don't we hear from our guy Sage Rosenfels on this? Because Dan asked him, because this is his new thing, yep. he asked him about like the best centers that he's played with and what they brought to the table. Richie Soybert, uh, who's actually a, uh, a, you know into Western Illinois, small school. I don't think he was drafted. Six foot two. He was an awesome center, too. And what I really learned over time is, you know, you love having huge offensive linemen, but the centers that are sort of squatty, and smaller, they can create great leverage uh, on the def- on the defensive linemen, get underneath their pads. Because, you know, most of those defensive tackles are six foot five, 330 pounds, and they're going to be bigger than your center most of the time. But if you can be underneath their pads and have great leverage, great footwork, uh, and, and, you know, usually centers are working with either one of the guards, the right guard, the left guard on some sort of double team. So those combination blocks are sort of everything for a center. Mm-hmm. Usually don't ask them to block a guy all themselves. There's usually a little bit of a combination. So it's that chemistry between the center and the guards, uh, but also there's the centers that really understand the deep X's and O's of the game, run game, pass game, protections, the ones that really understand the X's and O's. Because then they, if you really understand that, that sort of deeper level of football, then you can anticipate and to play offensive line and just sort of go, I'm going to block that guy. Well, people are moving all the time, but if you start seeing little keys and little cues, um, it can be really advantageous to give you a competitive advantage to have an idea that, Hey, they're going to do this. They're going to stunt this way. They're going to move this way based off of maybe a safety that the center uh, can see. So that's why you see guys like Jason Kelsey play for a long, long time and play great football in year 10 plus. We got none of that. Zero. None. We got less than none of that. What's the opposite of that? That's what we got this year. Bears. Bears. And this is not a knock on Cody Whitehair specifically. Cody Whitehair does what he can. He's been a valued piece of that offensive line, and his loyalty matters to me. He just was put in a bad spot for him. I brought it up yesterday that since he's been here, he's had to do a lot. Cody Whitehair has been asked to do too much. It's kind of like asking Larry Garcia to play every day. That's just not how you want to use certain people. Isn't he still on the White Sox payroll? No, he got on somebody else's payroll recently, but I forget off the top of my head. I, I think that they still owe him money. Larry? Yeah. No, I, th- I think he's finally out of contract. It was a three-year, three year, $20 million dollar but he deal. Got, he got right, paid by was... somebody else. But the point is, neither one of those people you use every day, and it's not right. their fault that things around them weren't put together better. You know what I'm saying? Like starting second baseman. I think he's still starting on the team. offensive yeah, line. Leori Garcia. Leori Garcia has, still on has the money team. on the books for 2024. Five point five million. <laughs> but didn't he play somewhere recently? Like, didn't he catch? Yeah, but he's with, still like, getting his. He's still getting his White else? Sox money. But he was playing for somebody else. 
Yeah, he signed a he signed a three year twenty million dollar deal. He's just not an everyday guy, and Cody Whitehair is not an everyday center. He's not in the league. You got to pay him. My God, what were they doing? Is he, is he playing winter ball at all? So the exercises in futility. Have, have Current s- Bears center play and Larry <laughs> Garcia discussion. Speaking of winter ball, did, did you see? Should we also just bring up the Denzel Valentine in the Miami or the uh, Maine the, Celtics the Maine while we're at it? Red Claws. Is he still there? I, I, maybe. I think so. Now we got to find him. We found Leori. Let's find Denzel. Did you see the end of that one Dominican League game the other night? The one the Aussies team won? No, he's Venezuelan Winter League. Did you he, see? He's I, won I two championships, Dominican. right? Did you see who Still was, got it. There was a ball in that landed in right field. Okay. The right fielder came charging in, not exactly in what you'd describe as an athletic rhythm. And Is it Andrew Vaughn? No. When I tell you who the right Leave field, him out of this. When I tell you who the right fielder was, you're going to say, yeah, I get it. And the ball goes by him, and a couple of runs score to tie the game. Yes. Avi Garcia. No. Adam Dunn. Dang no. It. Oh. Not Adam Dunn. No. no. It was La Tortuga, Williams Astudio. <gasps> What? In right field. And he's not exactly in the best shape of his life, as we like to say when spring training opens. Who is? <laughs> but, not me. But unless, is, unless, I mean, round is a shape. Isn't there, isn't there a... <laughs> round um, is a shape. Uh, Denzel Valentine made 1-3 and had 10 points against the Wildcats on January 20th. There you go. All right. Still still out there doing it. And Layla, you know where I got Which that line Wildcats? from? The Perth Wildcats in Australia. I mean, you know, the, it's from Raising Arizona, where, where it's just the convenience store buying balloons. I haven't seen that movie. It's a Coen Brothers movie. It's, it's it terrific. is? Yeah. Okay, and, I got to do a deep dive in all and, these Coen Brothers movies. I can't believe you had never seen New Jack City. And he says, so he's buying the balloons. It was, it was life-changing. And, Kendall and I had a discussion about it on Pookie Saturday. Pookie out here doing crack? He said it was one of his favorite movies still. The scene at the, the crack end. crack be calling me, man. The points that were made at the end were very salient. So she asked, oh, yeah. do these balloons blow up into funny shapes? And the shopkeeper, this old guy just goes, nope, not unless round is funny. <laughs> <laughs> round is funny. Right? I guess it can be. And wait, is, is New Jack City the one that Tracy Camilla Johns is in? Yes. Okay. Hold on. So you know. She's naked. In New oh, Jack oh, City. Does she have the short? Okay, because you know Tracy Tracy Camilla Johns married a basketball player named Mike Morrison that you were with in the CBA. Raleigh, no GBA Raleigh Bullfrogs and Mike Morrison. We brought him in. He was a terrific player. And she terrific. showed up to a game, and everyone went, "Oh my god!" She was there at every game. Yeah, she hung out at every game. And she, she was his writer die. She was in New Jack City, and she would walk. They were they were very very religious, even and though, even though. The, a couple parts that she played wouldn't no, lead she, you to believe actor. that. And, and but so before games, she would walk laps. She would come very very early and walk while I was getting my stuff set up for broadcasting and everything else. She would pray out loud while walking the perimeter of the court. Meditation for is about twenty sort. minutes. No, out loud. Right, but that's still meditation. But it was like it was. People were, thought something was weird. It was like, what is she doing? And she's, like, really, I mean, it was really sort of, over, I mean, it was just, it, I'd never seen anything like it before. 
It was she starred in a movie, a Spike Lee movie called She's Gotta Have It. Yep. Oh, she's in that? Yeah, she's the star of it. Yeah. Oh. That's Tracy Camilla Johns. Yes. Very, very nice. I wonder where he ended up playing. Good yeah. player. The, uh, the messages at the end of New Jack City seem to be largely ignored yet repeated all the time. Yes. This was the second time that Ice-T had played a cop. Ice-T looks exactly the same. And then it's the, the star turn for Judd Nelson. Interesting. That was Breakfast Club. I know. But uh, he played, played against type in New Jack City. Shout Daniel Jeremiah Jack. of the NFL Network, NFL.com. He knows. Move the Sticks! And the Move the Sticks podcast, along with Bucky Brooks and Rhett Lewis. He's going to tell us uh, pre-draft stuff, Bears thoughts, Shane Waldron, all of it. He's next on The Score. Bernstein at Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. I'll actually go back to, to last year, you know, and I got to stay open-minded about it, but I really, not to use the same quote, but when I say I need to be blown away, it's, it's the same stuff because, you know, seeing the things that Justin did this year, um, his ability to make plays, um, Coach talked about some of those improvements, keeping his eyes down the field, taking less sacks, um, see a lot of growth there where he can continue to get better. So um, I'll have the same mindset. Someone needs to really show that they, you know, can – and it's not just the film. Like, I need the person. Like, there's a whole process here that we have to figure out. Um, but what we're going to do is, is do what's best for the organization. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be, you know, similar situations in terms of the trade back. And i got to weigh all of those things to see what's going to help our team take the next step. Once again, all NFL worlds orbit around Ryan Poles this offseason. It's hard to do this consecutive seasons but the bears have done it and he holds some keys for not just his team but some others perhaps and here to talk nfl is daniel jeremiah he is on twitter at move the sticks nfl network analyst and host of the move the sticks podcast along with bucky brooks and rhett lewis available wherever you listen to your podcast he joins us on the circus sports illinois hotline twitch.tv slash chicago 670 the score daniel how you been I'm doing great. What's uh, what's the word? What do you guys have to talk about here for the next couple of months? Anything? Nothing. We, no. It's completely boring. We have no idea <laughs> what to discuss. We got nothing, man. It's nothing out here for us. Um, uh, but I, I bet nobody's passionate about it either way, though, right? Nobody has no strong feelings. No, nope. you Especially got no strong not on feelings. A station where we talk about it all the time. Never. Never. <laughs> we don't get weird text message emails and people on Twitter coming after us for our feelings on it. No, that's the that's not what happens in today's world. Daniel, you need to get with it, man. Get with it. <laughs> That's funny. I love it. Well, hey, the good news is that's the gasoline that's going to drive the car for us at the NFL Network for the next couple months. So uh, we appreciate it. What if what have your your tape breakdowns, people you've talked to, stuff that you've done in person, told you about Caleb Williams? Well, I'll start with what uh, you know what I've seen in my own study, uh, which was you know last year was was unbelievable. You know the way he played, and I think that's where all the uh, the excitement came from and all the attention. And then, you know, casually watching this year, um, you know, obviously they start out the schedule's not great, and he's kind of doing the same things. And then the schedule got tough, and you're just kind of watching on TV, and you're like, okay, gosh, he's holding the ball a lot. He's not, you know, he's not, you know, he's trying to do too much. Um, and kind of thinking, okay, man, his, maybe his play really, really fell off, and there's some numbers that will support that. 
But then I went in and dug into the tape, and when you go in there and watch the tape, one of the things I saw was, man, the interior of the offensive line at USC was was not very good. So as the quality of competition stepped up, um, he was under constant duress. And there are times where I wish, you know, there were layups available, checkdowns available. He got into some bad habits of not taking those and trying to do too much, trying to get down the field. But when you combine how bad that defense was and what they had to do offensively to win games, I think he, you know, he started pressing a little bit. But it, when I went through everything, I watched everything, I still came away thinking this guy is so freakishly talented and some of the throws he can make are so unbelievable and just a natural, a natural thrower of the football from any arm angle, any platform. Um, and there are examples when he had clean pockets where I've seen him work quickly through progressions, get to number three, um, and get the ball out where it needs to go. But so I, I came away thinking, okay, it wasn't a perfect year. I think maybe in the long run, some adversity was good for him. Um, but this is still, this is a pretty rare talent, uh, in terms of all the things he can do. So what questions would you want to ask him if it is your responsibility to come up with that final report, to vet him about his, the the soft stuff what what do you need to know from him about him what are you asking other people about him and what would you ask him so for me like the 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 stuff on the field is all i'm okay with and i think anything that he needs to improve with on the field is uh, is very coachable so that would not be where my focus would be like the, to be honest with you if i sat down and the first thing i would ask him i, I would say get, walk me through your preparation week let's start with Saturday night, the game ends, you go home, walk me through your week. What does your week look like to get ready for the next game on Saturday? Tell me what you did on each day, what you were studying, how you were taking care of your body, um, what you were doing beyond what was required of you uh, by USC. I want to learn about the work habits. You know, back in the day, you know, it's come a long way because the questions have gotten better. But used to, I'd sit in some of these combine uh, interviews, and coach would ask, oh, on a scale of one to ten, how would you rate your work ethic? Like, well, I don't know, ten. A two? Um, like, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I play like, video games all day and Come drink. On. <laughs> Come on. But, like, to me, I'd say, hey, we're, I want to see your notebook. Show me your notebook that you use this year to take notes as you're getting ready for opponents. I want to see, like, how – like, to me, there's different, there's different levels to this thing in terms of the great quarterbacks. I, I want to come through this process and find out, is this, is this someone who is, you know, interested in football? Is this someone who's invested in football? Or is this someone who is completely obsessed with football? Uh, because if you're going to put the keys to the car and all of our jobs on the line, I sure as heck want somebody to be as passionate or even more passionate about it than I am. The hard part, though, is quantifying that and quantifying so it. You need a... stories. Yeah, right. You need examples and you need stories. And, and to be honest with you, I need proof. You are, know, you, are you I, hearing I, I, anything I want, that's giving you pause about this regarding? No, no, okay. no, I haven't. And, 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 you know, I've actually, the teams that I've talked to uh, that have gone in there and, and talked to all the coaches, all the support staff at USC, uh, everything's been real positive. Good, you know, good worker, good teammate. Um, you know, this is someone who really likes football. You know, there was the, you know, the stuff that came out about Kyler Murray, remember when he redid his contract and it was they had to put in there that, you know, he needs to watch X amount of hours of tape and it ended up being this huge firestorm, you know, situation. Um, that is, I've heard nothing along those lines um, with Caleb, but I would love to be able to talk to him, you know, personally as, as I'm sure all these teams will get that opportunity. I may or may not as we get through the process, 
but that's the kind of stuff where in the old days you could say, well, I watch a lot of tape. Now I, you can pull up the numbers from the school if you have the connections and you can find out exactly how much tape that you watched. I mean, that's a, that's a valuable tool to have. I think the question becomes, if it is a concern, how much of it do you think would affect a team trying to draft him? Oh, I think yeah. If that if that were were a concern, I think yeah, you you'd have to you'd have to really you know really really spend a lot of time with him and dig down on that and and get to the place where you feel comfortable. But um, I'm you know I'm I'm hopeful that that at what I've heard from a vague standpoint is confirmed in the specific standpoint of this guy's he's committed and he's he's all in and he wants to be great. Um, he's been uh, you know he's been preparing for this for a long time. And, uh, you know, from the very first time I remember seeing him on the college field when they're playing in the, you know, one of the biggest rivalry games in college football against Texas, and he comes in there and saves the day. I don't think that, you know, being 1-1, being the number one overall pick and putting a city's expectations on your shoulders, I, I, I think this guy's kind of wired for that. Who do you think the best wide receiver in this draft is? I, I have the same exact grade on my top two guys, but I would stack them right now. I would have Marvin Harrison, then Roma Dunze, and then Malik Neighbors. I think there's three elite players. Adunze is my favorite player in the draft. I've been on record as saying that. Like I, I think he's unbelievable, um, and I, I, I don't think there's much difference at all between him and, and Marvin. So I gave them the same grade. I think all three of these guys are going to be special. It's just kind of a little bit of, of what you want and um, in, in what you're looking for in that receiver. Are there any centers in this draft? Maybe not at the top of the draft, but I'm, I am laser focused on the center position. <laughs> I'm still working my way through. Um, I go during this time of year. Um, I, I reach out to teams as I have to put out a top 50 list. And so when I reach out to teams, I, you know, give me the names and I'll usually come away with initially uh, about 75 to 80 names. And then I'll get my first top 50 list out, and then I'll work on from there. I've got a couple names um, that were given to me that I haven't got to yet, but there was nobody uh, when I asked about, you know, pure interior offensive linemen, first-round caliber players. I, I talked to seven or eight teams, and not one of them said there was one uh, that you would take in the first round this year. There's the tackle from from Washington, who I did, who, Fontenot, who's a great player. He, some teams think he'll be a guard. Uh, and then Graham Barton actually would be the one, the uh, the tackle from Duke, who will more than likely play on the interior and can play center. He's a he's a first round caliber player. But those would be the uh, those would be the two. I know you're studying film of J.J. McCarthy today. I saw you do a little mm -hmm. bit of it on your Twitter page. What do you think about what you've seen out of him? Uh, good, good. Um, I you know I, I talked to to teams when I was getting ready to start the process, and they're a little bit split on him. Um, didn't have a lot of conviction that he was going to be a first round pick. So I, he, you know, I was I'm going through these guys. He wasn't one of the first uh, guys that I got to. So I had seen a little bit on him. And then today is kind of, I've watched th three more games. And so I'm, I'm digging in. And it's kind of one of those guys, the more you watch him, the more I appreciate him and the more I like him. Um, he's got a live arm. He can, you know, he's not asked to do a ton there. They run the ball as, as everybody knows what Harbaugh wants to do. So he's not a high volume passer. But he can drive the ball, especially in the seams. You know, he's got a loose live arm. He's a good athlete, can extend plays and make things happen there. He just, you know, accuracy down the field on the outside was uh, was an area he could improve in. Um, but I thought pocket awareness, pocket feel. Uh, he's got a lot of positive traits. And when you look at the number of teams that need quarterbacks or have aging quarterbacks, um, I won't be surprised at all if he made his way into the first round. 
Daniel Jeremiah, always solid information, entertainingly presented. We appreciate your time. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing if uh, if you guys can resign Bellinger here. Let's uh, let's get. Don't you know what? Let me tell you something. You know what, dude? Our our, our (laughs) next segment is Cubs and free agency. That is awesome. Well, that and the fact that every time Daniel Jeremiah comes on this station, he's either taking a shot because of the James Shields deal, or that was nice. Yeah, yeah, or he, or he wants to, you know, talk about the Cubs. That's next time you come on, we're only talking baseball. That's it. I, I love it. I love it. Hopefully, the next time we talk, the Padres have more than one outfielder. That would be great. I would like to see that. Yeah, so. You need three. So uh, yes, we'll yeah, that's what I've been told. That. We're too short as of right now, and maybe we're maybe a starting pitcher or two. So well, that's all right. Spring training's not for three weeks. Plenty of time. <laughs> Thanks, Daniel. So true. Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network. One of the names that had been attached to the Cubs is going to be a Brewer instead. Don't crumble that. Save that. No, because people are like, what are you writing on on the Twitch? They're like, what are you writing? But I'm just saying. I don't throw that out so fast. I just, just burn after reading. That there's there's enough also enough people kind of going, hey, well, what do you? Well, how much is the two names that were brought up to me? One of them was invoked in this conversation. Let's all say. It's a lot. You just said a lot. Well, debate whether or not the Cubs are <laughs> running out of You're really like that was dudes. <laughs> what? He's like, there were two names spoken in this conversation. One was the name of the quarterback that might be drafted. The other was the concerning name. Thank you. Thank you for that that process of elimination. Look, they've got to do some active listening. We're just not going to give away the store. I have two hands. If they were, well. One is my left. (laughs) Name the other. Name the other. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Is it left? (laughs) Did you say left? Thank you for the texter who said that Larry Garcia is in the Braves organization. I knew he landed somewhere. But still getting paid by the White Sox. And yes, the Cubs are running out of dudes. This is starting to and get time. to a more stressful point in my life. Give it a couple. I'll, Name I'm, your other hand. I've got another rational take. Left. The Cubs. Did you? Is it left? <laughs> What's the other one? Left. Oh, okay. <laughs> I gotta teach y'all how to lie. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2, on Sports Radio 670. I think the world of Cody, obviously he had a great year here, and even beyond having a great year for us, um, he really ingratiated himself well with the city, the fan base, the players, and the players really think highly of him, and he knows uh, that I think highly of him, so uh, none, of that, none of that's changed at all. Cubs, you're running out of dudes. Free agency is passing you by. Like she you're standing keeps there. Passing me by. And it, it keeps just. Did going. you really want Reese Hoskins? Or is that not the point? You don't have enough if you're not supplementing in addition to reciting Cody Bellinger offensively. You don't have enough. I know they made a trade with the Dodgers. I get that. That's not enough. It's not enough. I would like for the Cubs to to have that type of power in their lineup, yes. Okay. I, I know you were accusing me of, once again, having a, a reasonable take, but... Yeah, this is reasonable take Wednesday for you. I think trades are, are the more likely avenue Okay, for the Cubs right now. I don't think it's necessarily going to be throwing a lot of money at somebody. I, I think that... So they're... you think that, like, the Pete Alonzo thing is still kind of sure, out there? of course. 
if it, I think a lot of things could be out there. There could be things that you know how trade talks happen. You know how names come up. You say you, sometimes you start your negotiation talking about somebody in whom you're not really interested, and you wait for them to walk you to the player you actually want. That there's an art to doing some of this. I think with Hoskins, the concept was, or the suggestion, was that perhaps it is a prove-it type of deal, a flyer because of the injury, seeing what was left, even though you were looking at like a, what, one to two-year deal? And the market was even a little bit more aggressive with him. He goes to the Brewers for a two-year, $34 million deal. And I know he's a right-handed bat, and that's not ideal. You'd rather have a left-handed bat. But still, I think that was a person I was looking to to be a reasonable addition to the Cubs where you'd still be happy with them adding to the offensive piece of this team. Like you have to, they, I'm sure they have a contingency for Cody Bellinger. Of course, I would like to know what it is, but at some point. Kind of running out of contingencies. You are, and, and even you can make the argument that teams aren't doing as much, but the Reds are proving that they're doing more than you free agent wise. Imanaga was great. Trading for Bush was great, but that's not – the method here should not be prospects and prey. Matt Chapman remains a free agent. And if we go by the rankings on the CBS tracker that they have, the top available is Cody Bellinger. He was number three. Matt Chapman is number four. If you end up with both of those guys, is that satisfactory from a, a position player standpoint, in your opinion? Yes, it is sufficient. Here's some other names that go all the way down to 19 if we start talking position players. Jorge Soler. That would also work for me because he had no support in Kansas City. Uh, And he was still producing. Jock Peterson is 20th. Justin Turner, 21st. But Justin Turner's 38, right? Or 39. Okay. 39. J.D. Martinez. Tim Anderson. Gary Sanchez, Michael Taylor, Tommy Pham. What's up, Pham? Gio Urshela. Yeah, it's not. not You're running out of dudes. G-Man Choi. I do like that. Solaire thing is kind of interesting. Oh, Solaire is very compelling. But he's only a DH. Yeah, my Cubs Talk podcast partner, James Nouveau, is pro-Solaire. Bring him back. I mean, it's not a bad You need some pop. You need some pop in your lineup and since you now no longer have reese hoskins to talk about running out of dudes well you can if you feel like moving on from morell and he's now blocked i don't have feel spot, like moving on from no, i don't think well, that's, that's why it. i'm wondering what they think about michael bush and and what that's going to mean and and where he's going to slot in how but, often but isn't he's isn't play. that more of a like or that's a developmental player it? than someone that if, if you're no, out he's here a little old to be a developmental I, b- player but i mean from Not the standpoint from the standpoint of major league innings played is that the type of guy that you're willing to throw into a team that's supposed to be competitive. Like, if you're in your competitive window, should you be counting on Michael Bush, is or, my point. Or are you building a package for Pete Alonso? Maybe. Hmm? I'd be all right with that. I think all of those things are okay, but if you don't re-sign Cody Bellinger at this point, offensively you have a, a much less consistent team offensively than you already had last year, and that is not good. That is... 
That is not ideal whatsoever. I can't remember. Morell's playing first base in winter league ball or third base? First base, right? I think first base. I was under the impression it was first. It doesn't matter. If, if Williams Astudio is in right field, you can put anybody anywhere you want in winter ball. <laughs> well, I know not... this might come as a shock, but depth in lead on is not exactly a discussion, <laughs> exactly, you know? Exactly, I know. I, I just mean from if you're trying to figure out where you might have a spot for him if he isn't trade bait, can he get up to, you know, replacement level first baseman and then you have a position for him and you don't have to worry about him kind of being the guy that's all over the diamond. I don't even know how Craig Council feels about that. I just am not ready to get rid of either 26 home run bat and not replace it with something that you think is in the neighborhood. Maybe Madrigal will hit. Says bring Joey Votto to the Cubs. He just signed with the Nationals. So Wait, He signed a you- one year back with the Nats? Oh, yes. oh No, no, not Votto. Didn't he? No, it was Gallo. I oh, think. excuse me, Gallo. Yeah, Votto, I, I think, confused. is out there. Excuse me, excuse me. Give us Joey. Yeah, excuse me. Not bring Joey, Joey Votto to the Cubs. Yeah, no, Votto, Wait, Votto's done. Bring Joey Gallo to the Cubs. He just signed a one-year deal with a team that's not the Cubs. Right, no, it's Gallo signed. Votto's done, right? No, he's not done. He's just, he's weighing his options. I thought he, okay, oh, so he hasn't officially said anything yet? No. Yeah, he's not. I, but his hometown, Toronto, you know, he might. He is forty, so right. there's that. Like, that's why I thought, Toronto is is trying I thought, to get. Just didn't he do his like walkabout in the stadium, ever. and he did his whole like take it all in thing? And... That's because the Reds weren't bringing him back. It wasn't his choice. Like was he wasn't like I'm contract. done. Yeah. He was out of contract, and you know he's like, that. what am I going to do? Maybe I'll retire, or maybe I'll find a place to go play. Maybe I'll finally go home and go play in Canada for a year. Okay. Uh, Morel, uh, according to some, Morel was playing some third base in winter ball, but I I saw enough of that. I, I that's a, it's incredibly hard. It is incredibly hard, which is why he needs more reps. But but I'm I'm okay with him continuing to get reps at wherever they think that he is best suited to play. I'm not willing to just give up and say he cannot play a position because he hasn't had enough time to play any position at the major league level. So if they want to spend a whole winter and a whole spring with Christopher Morrell is going to play first base. I know this is all a Nick Madrigal subtweet that you're just trying to make sure that somehow Nick Madrigal isn't on the team anymore, despite your insistence. I, I just said first base. I didn't say third base. I said first base for Morrell. But yes. It, it, DH first baseman, you say. I do wonder if last year one of the things that maybe – had Jed leaning towards finding another manager was, why are you running Nick Madrigal out Nick's there been, at third base? I, I feel like we've got a completely different player this year than we had last year. No, actually, you, you, you don't. A couple questions hey, here. Hey, he you, doubled his barrel rate, okay? 630, why hasn't TA been signed by anyone? Because he's bad. I have real concern about whatever power is left. 262, talk a Cubs fan, me, out of a one-year deal with Tim Anderson. He's bad at baseball. I don't think that's what you want to do. No. He was awful last year. I think that he needs to. Not Thanasis Adetokounmpo awful. He needs to be with Wash. Although you could make an argument that he was Thanasis because he was one of the worst position players in baseball last year. Worst position player in baseball. (laughs) Lucas Giolito signed a free agent contract. Two years? I think so. 
You want to talk some football? I do. Want to talk championship Sunday? Yeah, because you're trying to figure out, are we going to play the game of who to root for, or do we want to take the the Terry Boar's angle? Who to root against? Yeah, pick somebody you you want to lose more than somebody you want to win. I do that every day. What if we cheer for people? You know, my whole support more in 24. We can talk about it next. Now we should do both. On the score. This hour is brought to you by Vasectomy Clinics of Chicago. 49ers will line up in victory formation. The Packers do have timeouts they can use. Purdy drops down to a knee. Matt LaFleur is not going to call timeout. And the San Francisco 49ers, for a third consecutive year, are headed to the NFC Championship game. Dan Campbell, in his third year, has brought this franchise back to beyond respectability. Goff takes a knee. There will be no more snaps. And for the second time ever, it can be said, the Detroit Lions are playing for an NFC championship. And I find the Lions pretty easy to get behind. You have any negatives for the Lions? Nope. Not one. I like their coach. I like the renaissance of their quarterback. I love their draft. I like the way that their defense is built. I'm a big fan of Aiden Hutchinson. I have no problems with the Detroit Lions. The only issue I have is Henry Ford and the money that he used to distribute uh, czarist-era anti-Semitic propaganda. But once I get past that, it's a pretty I mean, big that's problem. a good reason. Yeah, that's that's significant. Yeah, but I've never been able to to carry that over too far because that's none of the. It's not Dan Campbell's fault. Do you think it's Sheila Ford Hamp's fault? Probably not. I don't know if All there's right. been any official family if they've said anything about it because it was it was not. Uh, I'm also here for for more Eminem being awkward. Like the, Eminem being at the Super Bowl would be great. Don't show Eminem because it's too woke. Nope. It's destroying football and distracting me from my masculinity. I mean, when they show him 24-7, it's like I can't even watch the football. Go woke, go broke. Shout out to Stop him and Bazaar. They were both at the game. They were both at the game. And Big Sean. I I don't know. If you're if you're an NFC North person, it seems like there's there's a split discussion on this i don't the lions seem to be america's team if you will i get that there are some people that are hardliners when it comes to like the nfc north stuff i'm not feeling a ton of that in in my mentions i know that they're out there i'm i'm i see a lot of people going man i wish the bears were like that i my thing with the lions has always been i i i've never really hated them because i've never had to Right, because you felt been, bad they, for them. Yeah, yes. because they've been so irrelevant my entire life. Like I've never had to worry. Just as a Bears fan, I, I, you look at the schedule and you're like, well, we can beat the Lions twice, right? So I don't, I don't hate them. I'm not necessarily rooting for them, but I got no problems with them. Like, yeah, go ahead, have your fun. I did enjoy the sentiment on social media that said they should bring back Barry Sanders for a one day contract to play in the Super Bowl if they make it. He and deserves Megatron. It. And yeah, Megatron too. Yeah. That's the one I needed to watch. Megatron Barry probably Sanders. could. He's been he's been on the sidelines for these last couple of games too. And it's good to see him like there and happy and seeing that reunion with him and Matthew Stafford a couple of weeks ago was kind of cool. And 
I got no issue with them. I I got it's funny, these four teams, there isn't anything about the four teams that makes me go, I want to root against them. No, and I I was part of the collective sadness seeing Buffalo lose the way they did in the final game. I was Yeah, I guess that I oh, mean I know that I, was that was brutal to watch. And I say that as a grown up Cowboys fan, having been the uh, you know, recipient of positive effects adjacent to wide right. I think that the Cowboys were like the last team in that you would root against. Packers. I mean, obviously here in Chicago, the Packers would be that, but I'm I'm like looking at it from a bigger picture. Eagles maybe. Because, but how many people, like people hate the Cowboys. You either love, love the Cowboys or you hate, hate them, which is why people watch. They're very popular and it's all why they always have as many network games. But you should be confident in knowing that they're not going to make it very far in the playoffs. Correct, because there is no history of it, no matter how good they are in the regular season. The 49ers team, super interesting to me, very likable. I like the quarterback, and I tend to like the quarterback more than most people like the quarterback. Who doesn't like George Kittle? Why can't we have anyone who loves us as much as George Kittle loves the Bears? <laughs> Why can't the Bears have somebody who loves the Bears as much as George Kittle loves the Bears? And what tight end did they what tight end did they take instead of George Kittle? Baby Gronk, baby! Adam Can Shaheen we even use that name anymore? Out of Ashland College. No, because Gronk will sue you. Gronk should have put a stop to it then. I think the of the four teams, the most the closest you can get to unlikable is Kansas City because they have a winning tradition. Just fatigue. There's right. There's a little bit of fatigue. There's also the nonsense part of it. Like, oh, well, that means more Brittany Mahomes and Taylor Swift. Oh, means more women. I'm just saying that that's that's one of the things that people will throw to you as a reason to not like Kansas City. While we're talking NFL, while you mentioned the kick going wide, right? The fact that he received enough death threats to deactivate to have to deactivate his social media is alarming not to mention similar threats and messages that were sent to the Packers kicker we 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 got to stop doing this well the, the good thing is those people typically don't listen to our show we got to stop doing this the good thing is is that the Bills mafia and Chiefs fans got together and they raised $100,000 for his charity that he has because I think he's he's like into saving cats and stuff. So they got a hundred thousand donated a hundred thousand dollars to his charity, which is one of the things I always kind of like about Bill's Mafia is that they they're heartbroken, but they seem to get that it can be fun and it can be cool. Like even if if you lose games or what they've done to opponents that have helped them get into the playoffs. But yes, obviously that's that's. I mean, not cool. I mean, there's a ton of reason to want to root for the Ravens. I think that's where my heart is. I think. Because I don't know if you guys saw it. And I don't think we can run it unless it's already pre-bleeped. The Roquan stuff with C.J. Stroud was phenomenal. Like him, you talk about like what Bears, what Meatball Dan likes it was on display with Roquan. Oh, they were they were step on their throat mode. And he was he was yelling at him. And CJ was giving giving it back. And we, and I like that. Like that's good. Where he, he's like, man, I'm like, I'm so close to getting you. And I was like, I bet you you 
thought you'd get here. Someone said about Roquan that he's always been a Raven. He just now is here. I don't know what that means. Well, it certainly means he's not a bear. It, it means that he fits into a tradition of defensive players at the Baltimore Ravens. That's what it means. You know what it reminds me of? Eric Spolster talking about Jimmy Butler. Yes. Eric Spolster said we like people who are type A and and want to discuss things and want to be seen. And I was like, oh, I feel seen in this. There's part of me that's... And are outspoken. <laughs> ...rooting really hard for Lamar Jackson just because of how many people have treated him like crap, mm-hmm. including what happened this past offseason. And just now, last week, Bill Polian is at it again. Yep. He's the main culprit, but there are plenty of others. Think about what was said about Lamar Jackson in the offseason. Think about how many people told you that they did not want Lamar Jackson. You have never heard teams be as public they went out of their way to make it known that we're not one of the teams that would be involved in these talks. We wouldn't want them. And sure, there's a collusion element to it. But there's also other stuff that lies underneath, like that only dogs can hear sometimes when people talk about Lamar Jackson. So there's a part of me that is kind of inherently drawn to, you want to talk about vindication. I feel the same way about Justin Fields. Yeah, but he's not playing this weekend. I, I know, but I'm saying like that's that's why I felt so strongly about that the, the, that four week Tyson Bajan stupidity yes, spasm. There's, it was one of the dumbest things I've ever been through in this town in a football season. Dan, there's a hundred percent connective tissue between the types of people that say stuff like they've said about Lamar and they said about Justin. Even though, if you look at all of the quarterbacks except for Goff that are playing this weekend. They all have that run element to them. They also share elite play callers. Yep. We tend to apply, for some unknown reason, the concept of baseball manager mattering that much to a football team with football coaches. And don't, I think we don't value their effect on the game enough at times. Where it's, we talk about offensive coordinators, and we did discuss the turnover rate since 2021 for every team in the league. But when it came to the coaches that were on display, and Mike Florio talked about it, the reason they're there is because they know their talent and they're willing to put their talent on display. It's not about their system. It's about their system being reflective of their talent. Well, there there is the tale of what happened in Baltimore when Lamar got there and how they didn't even worry about system. They said, here's the guy. You're our system. Let's figure it out. And there's value to that. There's the, the monster marriage between Andy Reid's West Coast offense and all of the stuff that, that Patrick Mahomes – was doing in a Mike Leach, Cliff Kingsbury offense. And you can you, call it air raid. Air raid isn't I, a dirty word. It's not to me. It is to some people. Oh, what are you talking about? And you have that that matchup, that mashup between air raid and West Coast that personifies in maybe the greatest quarterback who's ever lived. With Brock Purdy, you've got this exquisite play caller and play designer with all of these guys that are weapons, and Christian McCaffrey is, he's just like everything that you would draw up in a running back that fits into today's football. And I think there's a little mini version of that 
going on in Detroit with Jameer Gibbs, where you have, oh, he can catch passes out of the backfield. We can throw him in routes. If he gets a step on you and you're you're one on one, you're going. He's going to leave your ankles behind. Guys are still taking bad angles on him, and I don't know. You can see it on film. Widen your angle because he's beating you to the spot every time. And guys are still like they 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 line him up and they come at him and they get there and he's not there anymore. He's he is still faster than you think. I mean, I will I, say that bad angle tackling is the difference between good and better defenses in the NFL as a whole. We've seen poor angle tackling that's beat, true. And beat that, everybody. And that is actually the Bears over the course of the season got better at it. And especially their linebacker, especially I think TJ Edwards. Point of who, attack tackling. Who had some some miscalculations earlier in the year. And he, he recalibrated he did. and he was did. great. He figured it out. But, but yeah, there's no question. If you're watching for something over the weekend, I would think that that's a thing you want to watch for. Is but the the linebacking is just so good. It's I it's one of my pet peeves of in the last two seasons is people are trying as desperately as they have been devalue the running back that has now become a thing with linebackers. And we saw it inside of the discussion about Roquan Smith and how, Oh, well, you know, he's an off, he's an off the ball linebacker. So how valuable could he be? And go and look at these four teams and look at their linebacking cores and look at the plays that are being made, whether we're talking about Roquan Smith or we're talking about Fred Warner these are great linebacking cores, and they play a huge role in what these teams do on defense. Huge. I like this thought, too, from the 815 as far as rooting interest goes. I'd love to see the Kansas City Swifties win just to troll the insecure men who claim they will boycott the NFL. No, they're not doing that. I mean, they've been, uh, you know, they say they don't want to listen to our show, and yet they still listen. They say they don't want to watch the NFL, and yet they've still been watching. Record Interesting viewership. patterns. Record viewership. Record. I think that was part of the plan, too. I, I I think that the NFL is... The script? is Well, not the script. I don't want to go as far as the script, although the Tampa Bay thing would go into the script. That would go into the script. That's the one nobody's talking about. That's That would the go scripties? into the script. The scripties are not talking about that. Hey, why didn't you call a timeout when you had a timeout and 36 seconds left and they have a decision to make on 4th and 13? And why well, did the every- script says let Detroit go to the conference final. And why did everybody go along with it? Even Baker Mayfield, who is known for not going along with things all the time. Rage against the machine Baker over there. Can you imagine if that happened in this market? I cannot. We would flip our ish. We'd still be talking. Like, we'd still be angry talking about as it. We if should. it were three years ago, and it would, I would remember it as if it were today. That's something that would come up all the time. It's like, do you remember when they just didn't take that time out? Someone get Rock Momola on the line. Tell him he's doing it wrong down there in Tampa. Get these guys up out of here. He's better than that. Get Patrick Manley to go in force. Just don't let him drive the El Camino. Yep, because if he goes across the causeway, he's got, he's well, got he big can't. problems. He, get, he sold it. The, so. pic- the mental picture of Patrick Manley stuck on the t- on the causeway in the El Camino is is. And I never I, speaking of Patrick, I didn't. We didn't really get an answer yet about that fake punt in in the Buffalo game. Oh yeah, you guys were trying to do some research yeah, on but, that because you remember the Garrett Wolf play. It, they saw ten right, or they saw a formation that was advantageous but they were backed up they were aren't weren't they on like the 15 or but something? they they had the call and it was an automatic call based on what they saw but apparently garrett wolf didn't get the memo 
or didn't remember what the call was. Did you not get the memo? Happy, happy anniversary to that dunk. So th- right. that's why I was wondering, and that I was texting with Patrick about, like, did that look like one of those binary fake calls where th- that is just something that's automatic? If we see this, no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, we know we're going to get the first down if we've got them in this. Because it, it looked like it probably was. And there are some special teams coaches, coordinators, that are going to say, this is, a, this is a basic rule of what we do. If we ever see this, you're, this is what we're going to run. So, I don't know. But he wasn't sure either. I'm so, so excited. I'm so scared about this weekend. I just love Championship Sunday. Like, it's, it's my favorite. And I also like, and they, they had this for this past weekend on Sunday, too. I like the schedule of it. I like first game is at 2. Second yes. game is at 5.30. I got to figure it out because I'm going to be flying. So, Where are you going this time? I'm you don't want to co- say? I'll be coming back. No, we're going to Brooklyn. Oh, that's right. This yeah, yeah. bat mitzvah this weekend. Because Layla's here on Friday. Right. I'm here on Friday for you. Right. I'm out We early. can do more Championship Sunday stuff. Championship Sunday. Beth left today because she's going to see some friends in New York and helping to plan some of the festivities. So I'm here by myself and wandering around the house like Nixon. We had nothing to do talking. I to don't think you're. I wasn't. There's an element of guilt there. What? Nixon. Well, like Nixon, the end stage Nixon. And you ever read the final days when, right, he, but when he would literally you could wander have made, around? What, what Layla is saying is you could have made another choice. But also, it's interesting like, that you made or, that. Yeah, choice. like our well, Hamlet. What would be better? Well, who, also, why? Why is it nihilistic? Like these choices that you're making, and based what, what, on evil decisions. Be, wait a sec. What What would be a, 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 a uplifting, positive example about an a, an a lonely old man wandering around a dark home? Ferris Bueller. He's young. You could just get your Ferris Bueller on. Yeah, nobody's stopping you. You can't it's even your, figure you, out what you, you can, want for dinner. For you God's don't sake. have to look at it as a negative. Is what we're saying. You could look at it as a positive. You've already framed it as a negative. Right, so what would you do in in an hour? Picture it. Well, I'm Bart gonna go. I'm gonna go lying work out. on the floor in his so underwear, saying it ain't the Ritz. And then, and then when you go home, you, you know what you could do, Dan? What laundry? No, uh, no, no. Yes. I'm, I'm trying not to give you labor because it should be fun. You could spend a night watching the NBA. You could like, eat just cheese. the league. Well. Yeah, I mean, I'll have that on, but but it's still, I still need and something then, to And you do. get to make the choice of what you have for dinner. I always make the choice I have for dinner. She she eats saltines for dinner half the but time. But you don't have to worry about awesome. anyone else's. You don't have to worry about Love playing the manipulative up. game that you played last week where you were just sending her, no, we should have Chinese food. No, we're going to have Chinese and food. And what do we have? Chinese food because it worked. I'm saying that you don't have to use that mental space now because Beth's not there. You could you could wild out. You could just be yeah, like, you know I'm what? Wild out. You could. Yeah. You could do that, the what? Indian food thing tonight Not if you wear want. Pants. No, I'm working tomorrow. You I can't I couldn't do that tonight. You don't want that. No, I don't want it, but Nobody, maybe you want no, it. No, 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 no. And I definitely can't do that tomorrow night because I'm traveling. How about this, Dan? Is there a restaurant that you would like to try before you offer it up to Beth? As like a, a date night thing. Like one of those ones you were describing to me during the break. You could go to one of those and have dinner and then be like, hey, we've got a new place that we can go to. Dinner, actually going out to dinner by myself. Yeah. Like that's one of the great pleasures in life. There. And it is afforded to you with this opportunity. You could also go watch the Beekeeper movie. 
with Jason Statham if you wanted to. Not not happening. Or you could just chill. Like, you don't have to walk around pacing like you've got some sort of guilt on you, like the telltale heart. I don't chill well. I, you know that. Well, it's an opportunity you can, for you to improve your chill game. You'll well, be I did like, that in hey, Mexico. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm you, trying to learn I'm how to I'm saying know, that you could do more work. You know how you always say to me, like, hey, Layla, how did you find that random story? And I'm like, well, I was perusing the Apple News app for several hours and came across this one story that made the perusing worth it. This says dance around in your undies like Tom Cruise in Risky Business. Yeah, I, I just said Ferris Bueller. You could do all the Ferris Bueller. Um, That's too much work. You could watch Demolition Man. Tonight. No. Demolition Man. Hell yeah. That's a great Bachelor Home Alone yes. movie. Yes. Watch Demolition Man. No thank I've, you. I've been Shawshanked the last couple nights because they've been putting The Martian on TV. I love that. It's my favorite movie. You the Martian? How long is that movie? It's so good. It's three hours. No. Uh-uh. The, book, the book is so good. The book's good. great. I'm out on anything that lasts... If a movie lasts as long as a game, guess what I'm watching? All right, the book is only like 300 pages, and it's so good. It's really good. And I I would. How is the book only 300 pages, but the movie is 300? Because they actually actually did a really good job of copying it over too. And and they they wanted to make sure that they got the science right, Mm -hmm. which I think is really. I love that movie. Anything with Jessica Chastain, anything sounds like you have yourself a plan. Anything. Uh, Well, I don't know what there. We watched the holdovers last night. That's the Paul Giamatti, Alexander Payne movie. It's very good. You could celebrate good acting and watch something along those lines. You could go to Peppy's Tacos, and then you had a very good movie last night, and then you have very good tacos. They're very good tacos. Yeah. I could do that. Dan Bernstein, the world is yours But it's not. Your house. It's your house, your rules. Why don't you hang out with Shane? I'm not... You Why can not? do whatever you want, even if what, dog what you guys you can want. make I, some Pakasha, Pat Willie. I, I I I do miss this time of year having a dog around. Go over to Paws after work. That's there, there. Go over to Paws right down the street and go play with dogs. If you don't want to hang out with people, hang out with the person that has your favorite dog. It's right down the street. Well, that's right. It's over on on, on Grand. Yeah. Over go play. Air. Go play with dogs. It, Maybe you'll find a friend. But then I get sad because I look at all the dogs and they're in their cages and they just want homes and some of them will be euthanized. So in other words, you just don't want to be happy. You want to walk around like Nixon. Fine, fine. Walk around your house and listen to a whole bunch of Mary J. Blige. Why don't you just cut a hole in the floor <laughs> That's while what you're you at do. it and what have I the floor do, beating? What I want to do is go fishing, but I can't. It's warm enough, right? Nah, it's all screwed up. Now you can't. It's in, but the ice is it's in. 40 degrees. Get weird. See what you catch. No, 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 no. I, it's, it's, I'd end up catching like a duck. Uh, it's <laughs> after after my pelican experience in Mexico. I don't want that to happen again. It's all, it's all the mergansers are out. The weird ducks are feeding on fish. You said uh, the pelican was cool with it, though. It was. It was weird. Pelican's like, oh well, I guess you caught me. Take the hook out of my mouth. All right, fine. All right, we need to take a break since we've got Layla <laughs> from here. this Marconi Award-winning segment. I mean, it's well, it's the therapy session continues. Um, but go visit the rat hole. I haven't done that yet. Oh yeah, rat yeah, hole. Yeah, you could do I that. Could walk over there. We had news about Someone it. Someone got married night. on the on the rat hole they yesterday yes, and proposed to. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. There's been a lot happening. See their stuff. But um, on behalf of those who live adjacent to the rat hole, we ask that you man your trash and don't get mad at people. Since Layla's here. There's a bit a bulls question that I want to ask. Ooh. So we'll do that next here on the score. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. 
and Levine to the rim, and Levine oh. came down. He, he's hobbling, Bill. He's got that right foot elevated, and he's uh -oh. hopping around. He's going to go straight to the bench. Oh, no. Zach Levine is injured. How can the Bulls possibly compete? Stop that. Well, see, that's the thing, and what I wanted to talk with Layla about, because Layla is around the team a lot more than we are. She's on the broadcast on NBC Sports Chicago, doing sideline stuff. My last name was in for Jason Goff on Saturday. How about that? I'm Layla Rahimi, in for Jason Goff. This Zach injury, I know that it that, that his uh, worth around the league has fallen off the table, but this just feels like this couldn't have happened at a worse time. Like for as, him, yeah, at, absolutely. And for and for mostly for the Bulls. Like is the trade the trade deadline looms no the February eighth even, even healthy nobody's trading for him. yeah but you have no chance of trading him if he's not healthy let him ask his question you've got to figure out what to do tonight <laughs> I mean, we should probably just stick with that because everybody's giving me these ideas there's all sorts of it's really funny ideas. to read the text line when it's just suggestions out of context and they're hilarious like it's is amazing. there anything that's like sparking your brain and saying maybe I want to try that no. Even when I was like, go get yourself a big old steak, like that didn't help. No. Do you not want steak? Oh, 630 says you can fish at the Bass Pro and Bolingbrook. You Just don't what? go swimming in the pool. I can, say, I, can, I can do it the Alabama guy did. Now that's an evening. What if you went to dinner grill? Diner? I know, but well, it used, used to say it used dinner. To, it used to say diner on one side and dinner, dinner on, on the, the other. other. I did not know that. Yeah. Last time I was there was with get, Shane and Tammy. Get yourself actually. a slinger tonight. I've, I have knocked off a slinger before. I know, Dan. That's why I'm making these suggestions. He's thinking that's out a, loud. That's a fun thing for you to do. Go like go sit at the counter at a diner. Get yourself a slinger. Wait, what's the Zach Levine question? It's, really something it's not important. Did this come at a terrible he, time? Here's the thing. Yes, Zach, that is okay, the question. I'll short answer your question like I have to do in the news. Zach Levine, while he was healthy, was rebounding at the highest rate of his career, and also his assist rate were at the highest rate of his career during that stretch. Now, the challenge was to see whether or not that stretch was sustainable. But you had to have liked the version you just saw, and unfortunately him getting hurt did come at, yes, a terrible time for all things involved. See, it's a quality answer. See, I don't really think we it matters. We were getting a better version of Zach Levine than what we had gotten before. I still think, regardless of what, was, what he's doing here, is somewhat immaterial to the way other teams value him relative to his contract. Agreed. I will also point out this. Kendall said this on Saturday, and I know that there was a very segmented viewing audience because of what was happening, you know, with football and everything going on at the same time. But Kendall goes, if these guys really didn't like each other, like it's been insinuated, you know what wouldn't be happening? Everybody passing to each other. And that includes Levine. And frankly, DeMar DeRozan, whose assist numbers have been up ever since he got back from that two-game stretch where he was out. I rest my case. I'm glad that I asked you the question. 630 says, bake a loaf of bread. Ooh. Yeah, you could watch it rise. That would be something to do with your time. It's you could also watch a pot think. boil. It's easier than you think. And knowing How many how pots easy have you is, been smoking? How many pots have you smoking? Get some Popeyes, do a crossword puzzle, and stop bitching. Yeah. Not, Facts. Seven seven three, bring the heat. But I had chicken for lunch, so I can't have chicken for dinner. Yes, you can. No, you can't. That would violate the food rule. 
the double chicken rule that Dan just made up at one thirty-seven like Central on January twenty-four, twenty twenty-four. I never have for dinner what I had for lunch. I like that eight four seven. Go to Candlelight in honor of Lynn. Just up Western. Yeah, it gets a little crowded up there. Say, but if I go up there, then you know you go past Devon and you start getting tempted by fine by the delights that's there. The, see, Dan, that's the beauty of you're on your own, is that you could make that audible call. I know, but I can't eat that tonight. I'm working tomorrow. Then, then you're not going to be tempted <laughs> to go down to Devon. And you'll go to Candlelight and play Miss Pac-Man. I'm on and s- eat pizza. I'm on standby. It's not like I'm not talking about sports tomorrow. Live your life. Maybe I could go to one of those, maybe go to like Emporium and play a bunch Hell of video yeah. games. I could do that if Dan, I wanted. Dan, that sounds like an excellent idea. I could do that and like do a bunch of tequila shots and $20, $20 of tokens, go play games. Hey, if you want to do a bunch of tequila shots, you could do my new favorite pastime this year, which is karaoke. I'm not doing You're not doing karaoke not with me, really Dan? But, Dan, I really wanted you to come and do karaoke with me. <laughs> no, let's, Come on, Dan. Let's let's lean into the Emporium idea because it's the first thing that his eyes have actually twinkled. Take $20, yeah. go to Emporium, play games, have a shot, a shot, and then see where you're at. Shot. A shot? Have Shots. one shot, play some games. If you want to have another shot, you can. But if if you don't, then you can just go home. After you're done playing games. There's also a bunch of really cool restaurants over there. You can walk around afterwards and go get something to eat. There's an ice cream place right next to the Emporium off of Fullerton. I do like ice cream. And it's like, hand, it's like, well, not handmade. Um, it's, they make it there. Homemade. Homemade, thank you. Do they have peppermint? I think so. Really? Yeah. The, peppermint ice cream sounds really good. Maybe that'll be dinner. You could also. Watch I could do ice cream for dinner if I you wanted. You that you damn right you could. could. If I wanted ice cream for dinner, I could just you have could it. Just, Nobody could do anything you, about it. Dan, you could literally go play twenty dollars worth of video games, walk right next door, go get some ice cream, and you're good to go. Eight one five says Edward Forty Hands with King Cobra. I can't Mm-mm. put him on myself. <laughs> I couldn't do Edward Forty Hands myself. Get the how would button I, ready. And how would I get him what off? What an intense suggestion. How can that I, is he, he walks in here tomorrow with right, like, would, help me out. I wouldn't be able to get if I if somebody Edward Forty hands me, I would need somebody. How, how would I get them off? A bunch of duct tape and and two forties of King Cobra. Sure, you could figure it out. What about I'm pretty sure, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I was able to take them off by myself in college. No, not if you're if you're properly duct taped on. I I'm, use your teeth for duct tape. Yeah, it rips. Downstate studs. Downstate studs. <laughs> this is Western studs. I guess that's downstate. Everything's it, downstate, even though it's right across. The 224 says, go hang out with Tyson Bajan's dad. <laughs> want to hey, arm man. wrestle? Hey. <laughs> right. I want to hang out, but not arm wrestle. No, we're going to do crossword puzzle. No, we're, we're arm wrestling. No, I don't want to arm wrestle. I want to do crossword puzzle. No, no, no. I don't think Mr. Bajent is going to be into that. I don't think so either. Three down his arm for a cross wrestle. <laughs> I, I don't know. He he might be down for it because he had a lot of fun at the Senior Bowl last year telling people that they didn't want to arm wrestle him. And they're like, no, we really do. And he's like, no, you kind of don't. I'm a world champion at this. Do you think that's how he talked to Luke Getz? You don't want my son for a quarterback. And he's like, no, but I do. And then he's like, no, you don't. What if he was like, I'll arm wrestle you for it? It would make everything make a lot more. It'd be sense. like the scene his in, hat and he turns the it back. Scene in the fly. Remember when Jeff Goldblum is turning into the fly Changes and he goes and arm wrestles a guy? Oh, you don't. 
is the grip. I'm not going to watch that movie. Oh, that no, sounds it's terrible. It's scary. That yeah, movie. I'm scary out on movie. that. That movie's super scary and gross. Nope, not into it. Ray, what are we doing for the last segment? Kevin Durant in awe of Joel Embiid. Kevin Durant loves basketball. Again, if only the Bears had somebody who loved the Bears as much as George Kittle loved the Bears, or if you had something in your life you loved as much as Katie loves hoops, and occasionally it comes out. It's next. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score. In Odyssey. 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 Embiid. Coast to coast for 70. 70 is a lot. That's a lot. And you did a nice job yesterday working that list over of finding all of the 70-point scores. That was a fun segment to listen to. It's uh, that's, that's a hell of a thing, man, to get 70 points in a game. and Five assists, too. Well, the what was also really cool was understanding somebody like Kevin Durant, who, if you don't know, is very much like both Kevin Garnett and LeBron James in that he is a huge basketball fan. It, w- it would amaze you how many great professional athletes don't uh, don't care about their, the history of their sport, don't know anything about it, don't really watch it, aren't really fans of it. Durant is not that guy. He is a, he is a his- historian of basketball who appreciates milestones. So this was actually after the game, in his post-game press conference in Phoenix – when he learned that Joel Embiid had scored 70. I don't know if you saw Joel Embiid score 70. Cat had 62. 70? Yeah. Joe has 70 today. 53. Yeah. Him and Cat both. Yeah. So what did nights like tonight mean in the NBA? <laughs> I seen Cat have 40 at half. I mean, the skill level in this league is insane. And, and, and actually the coaching, the schemes on offense is insane. You're seeing so many different sets being run. Uh, for bigs to get threes. I mean, coaches are being way more creative to put their best players in, in, in great positions to get those numbers. And you got shooters all around the floor. You got penetrators. I mean, this is the peak of basketball, in my opinion. You're seeing it with guys doing. I mean, come on, man. Our bigs. We got bigs in the league getting 70 and 60, making nine, ten threes, shooting pull-up jump shot. I mean, it's insane what we got going on. Preach it. That's great. I knew you'd like that. Preach it. No one's ever seen anything like this before. Even the bad teams, the very bad teams, have a great level of talent. They're aliens. Well, in the game where Cat scores 62, his team lost. I mean, that's that's the outrageous part. Is I, I remember thinking that about five years ago. Just thinking every you'd preview a team playing the Bulls, or you'd look at opponents that were coming up, or you even look at a team like Detroit who went on that losing streak. And you can't say the same thing about, like, say, the process Sixers who lost a total of 28 over two seasons. And to me, this, he's right. Like, this is, how is this not the peak of the league right now? I'm so glad he mentioned the coaches, too. Yes. It's, it's one thing to say all the talent, all the talent, all the talent. But the schemes that are being devised. Figuring out how to use the talent yep. properly. Yep. Like, that's, that's, he's right. He's right. Yeah, the creativity is, is elite. And that's really cool. I'm going to be – I had a really great time last week at Bevda's in Lansing. People came out. They wanted to talk about Justin Fields. It was remarkable that we what we were doing with Remy Martin. Going to be out in these streets again. This time, it's going to be at Benny's in Orland on 94th Avenue. 
We're going to be there. We're going to sign people up to play at the Quarter Dreams on March 1st at the United Center. And that is courtesy of Remy Martin. We are giving out samples of Remy Martin. They are making sidecars with Remy Martin. So you need to come out. I'll take a sample. I know what Dan's doing tonight. Thursday, Benny's Beverage Depot, 158th and 94th Avenue. I'll be there from 530 to 7. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I I love how much Kevin Durant loves the game. It's one of my favorite things. He used to go to the UT women's games when he would have days off at Texas because he just loves the game that much. It's, it's like DeMar. DeMar is out here at WNBA games with his daughters. Like Plays in the Drew out of loyalty. Guys love ball. Dan <sighs> loves Lamp. Uh, Parkins and Spiegel. We will talk with the Parkins and Spiegel show next on The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.